The 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe, proud supporter of the Illini on campus since 2006. DP Doe, locally owned, and they employ a staff that truly cares about their customers, and they'll always go out of their way to make sure that every customer walks away happy and full. Stop in and try a hot box, their popular combo featuring calzone, choice of side, and a drink. Sure to be extra tasty in the state of Illinois beginning January 1st. Order online at dpdoe.com for all their best deals and prices. Also, Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent and your local choice for insurance. Their team is made up of four local products, all born and raised in Champaign-Urbana, and their office is located at 408 North Ray Street, Suite A in Urbana, but they service all Champaign County and East Central Illinois. They're here for your auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance needs. Give them a call at 217-344-1900 or visit online at brianismyguy.com. Finally, 4th and Kirby, and just in time for Christmas, why not order some vintage-inspired Alani apparel from 4thandkirby.com, including T-shirts, crewneck sweatshirts, and much more. And you can also buy some 4th and Kirby apparel at the Illini Union Bookstore on campus or again at forthandkirby.com. Got to give thanks to Illini Inquirer for being partners in the relaunch of the 200 level and, of course, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at 217showers. It is episode 52 of the 200 level and uh, good news. After a couple weeks where we didn't have a lot of good news, Illinois basketball gets a couple wins under their belt, including one against a top-five Michigan team. With Missouri looming, things are feeling a little bit better. All right, let's do it. It is the 200 level. It is the 200 level live from the basement, episode 52. Mike Carpenter here. Apologies for the voice ahead of time. I think it's just uh, talking to students a little bit too much and kind of battling through the beginning stages of a cold that hopefully won't be too much. Uh, We will get Trevor Valise on for the next segment, for this opening segment, pretty much all Illini basketball and good news after what was a rough stretch, or I should say a start to the season that felt kind of off. We've talked about this on the podcast before about how things seemed disconnected. Things didn't seem to gel. And we weren't really sure what the identity for this team was, understanding that It's early in the season, but also knowing that there's not a lot of context to go off of with Brad Underwood, at least at Illinois. Yes, the three seasons of Stephen F. Austin, the one at Oklahoma State, but we're still kind of learning what kind of coach he is too, and I think we're learning what kind of coach he can be at the Big Ten level. Well, so far in this season, it has been a mix of good and bad news, but the good news on top of that is you are seeing a trend towards a team that is finding an identity. What is that identity? For this basketball team, it seems to me that the interior is your strength, and that is not something that I would have anticipated coming into this year where I thought Trent, Io, and Andres Feliz were the core of this team that would sort of dictate everything else, and that Kofi would be a nice presence inside, but come on, who was predicting that he was going to be mini Shaq? Georgie is finally coming into his own, and this might be the biggest development of all because Kofi, notwithstanding, you know, Big Ten freshman of the year, I think he can put that in the back for him, but We were worried, and I think understandably so, about Georgie, and that could even go back to the first half against Michigan, where he didn't look all that great. And uh, someone on Twitter, and I wish I could attribute this, said that he's kind of a black hole on offense, which I agreed with. I mean, up through that first half against Michigan, we were not seeing the Georgie from last year, and it felt like he himself, I talk about an identity for this team, that maybe he himself was having an identity crisis about, well, what do I do? 
What's my role? I was a five for an entire season, and now I'm playing the four, often on the perimeter, because this new Kofi guy. And Georgie, of course, is doing it with as good of an attitude as one could have, but had a beast of moments of frustration. And then you have kind of a eureka moment, second half of the Michigan game, where him and Kofi are playing well alongside one another. And they schooled Michigan. Those two guys beat Michigan up. And this is the other, I mean, Georgie, we maybe associate as kind of a finesse sort of player because he's so skilled. He's a European guy. So there's certain things that I think we project onto him, even if that's not really his game. But he's getting into the muck down there. And him and Kofi together, Twin Towers, whatever other kind of term you want to throw at them. I remember I had a basketball card back in the day of Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Twin Towers is what it said next to it. Now, not to compare these guys to that, but in the Big Ten, finding another team that has two interior guys like that, and now finding that their skills may complement one another. So yeah, the strength of this team is not the perimeter, but that's probably a good thing because we know what's there. We know what's there with Trent and Io and Andres Feliz. Certainly Io still concerning to me because it does feel like there's a regression. Now we can look back at last year and see November and December. He wasn't doing much back then either. But I did not expect there to be such a kind of a start and stop, rickety start to his second season here in Illinois. Maybe that'll come. I, I think in some way, shape, or form it will, even if he's not a lottery pick, because I think the latest projection from one website had him firmly in the second round. That's a whole Adam Miller discussion that we can have later. So the strengths, your interior. The perimeter guys, though, their strength is not the outside shooting, which that is a concern. But maybe their strength is complementing this interior game because they're getting to the rim. Trent included is getting to the rim. Andres Feliz, we know he's a bulldog. He can get down there. And Io, he can still get to the rim. Uh, maybe not to the effectiveness that I would have thought, but he's getting there. So the Michigan game was a great sort of template where you can't probably do that every night. I get it. Teams are going to get tape and understand this is what Illinois is trying to do. And we even saw Old Dominion kind of have some success parts of the first half against Illinois, keeping them from getting to the rim and saying, shoot it. We dare you. You shoot the three-pointer because we know, as other teams will find out, that's not Illinois' strength. So you got the interior, strength number one. You have guards that can get to the hole. That's strength number two. Number three, and I'm not ranking these in terms of um, you know, importance. This may be the biggest one, in fact, is the defense in general has really turned a corner. The Miami game was bad. And you could look back maybe the second half against Arizona. That was bad. Other than that, the defense has been really impressive this year. And they're doing it without fouling. You know, the identity that Brad Underwood had tried to instill his first couple years, I do appreciate the fact that he recognized there are faults to playing, you know, 110 miles per hour for 40 minutes a game. You're going to get a ton of fouls called on you. No matter how good you are, you are going to put the other team in the free throw line. Well, you aren't having that happen. You're getting the defensive rebounds at a fairly high clip. And with Kofi's interior presence, you're starting to be reminded what, what it was like when Nana Egwu was here. I know Jeremy Warner, of course, part of the Nana Egwu Defenders Club, which you don't need to sell me on that. I had frustration with Nana's offensive game, but he certainly changed everything for your defense. Kofi doing the same thing here because when you have decent speed on the perimeter defensively, which you do, you have decent lateral speed. Uh, it gives them a little bit more breathing room to understand that if they happen to make one mistake, that's not an easy bucket for the other team. There's somebody back there. 
Hell, and now Georgie's getting in the black party. So this is uh, an exciting development to see that the defense overall is this team's strength. The interior is going to be hard for other Big Ten teams to match when you have Georgie and Kofi out there. And the perimeter, man, if they could just shoot at a bit of a higher clip, this becomes a complete package rather quickly. You know, a week ago after that Maryland game, I was very frustrated, as many Illinois fans were, specifically with Brad Underwood, and wondering where was this going? Was it going anywhere? Uh, Is this something that you could count on? And I'm not firmly in the camp of, yes, this is going to work. But seeing how they responded against Michigan gave me a lot of hope. Yes, I mean, the win aside, any way that you would have gotten that win against Michigan would have been encouraging. But to me, it was the nature in which you got that win. You were impressive from the start. You led for essentially the entirety of that game. I think Michigan might have led for a few minutes in the first half. But other than that, you controlled the game and then you stretched the lead in the second half. But one final test that this team had to face was having a lead late and having that lead dwindle down to like a two-possession game. And it happened against Michigan. We all were thinking the same thing. Andres Feliz missed a couple of free throws. I think Michigan got it back within four. And this was all after Kofi had essentially put in the exclamation point with that dunk, the putback. And then he knocks the ref out. Goes to timeout. They come back on Big Ten Network. I wasn't at the game. And then the ref is still on the court. We were all thinking the same thing. Now, please don't let this be the moment. And then, sure enough, it felt like it was going to be that moment where they blew it again and then were kind of trying to pick up the pieces and see what is the path for this team with three heartbreakers in a row late in the game? How do you recover from that? It's human nature to wonder how a team could respond to continually snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. But guess what? It didn't happen. They stretched the lead and ended up winning that game by, I need to check the final score again, but it felt like a 9-10 point win, that sort of thing. Stretch it back to essentially the lead that they had had in the first place. That was a test. You know, certainly playing a a number five team in the nation is a test regardless, but to me, the ultimate challenge that you met and accepted was having the lead, almost blowing it, and then getting that lead right back, no problem, no sweat. We got it, coach. So now you come in with Old Dominion, a game on a Saturday at five o'clock that by all intents and purposes was pretty sleepy, as I kind of expected it would be. And yet you come out to a 7-0 lead, you have some moles offensively in the first half, but at the end of the day, the defense kept Old Dominion at bay, and then you were able to get to the rim at will. Kofi, quietest game of the year so far, but still the factor down low. And then you start seeing Andres Feliz, you start seeing Io, who had a pretty solid game, um, and then everybody kind of getting in on the action. Alan Griffin starting to show things, which he's kind of an X factor, as we all figured he would be. He is showing flashes of being a really good basketball player. But at the same time, I understand why Kipper Nichols is getting minutes right now. He's giving you solid minutes defensively. Rebounding is solid. He's not making some of the signature mistakes that we grew accustomed to with Kipper in years past. And DeMonte, which it looked like maybe a shoulder separation or something, but he comes back in the game and he is continuing to play good defense. So we're seeing guys take on the approach of, I'm a role player, this is what I do well, and not trying to do too much. I think Kipper, some of the problems that he had in transitioning from the Gross to the Underwood era, was that he showed flashes of being a star. And when that was heaped on him, he couldn't really take it. He's not that good of a player, right? He's not good enough, at least, 
to be a star. Now that it seems that he is more, you know, unencumbered by pressure or expectations, he's playing his most consistent basketball probably in his Illini career. Yeah, again, you could go back to his freshman and sophomore year when he had double-digit games and you thought, well, this, this could be something. But also keep in mind the rosters he was on. There's an old adage with basketball that someone's got to score, right? Somebody has to score. And you'll often find stat stuffers on not-so-good teams. Kipper, I felt like, might have been a bit more of that sort of player. And then when he started to get more talent in, he just was not able to maintain that level of productivity. But that's okay. You know, he's playing decent basketball right now. So this team, as we enter the end of 2019, is sitting there with a, what, 8-3 and three record and entering the Bragging Rights game against a not-so-good Missouri team. And they need to win out, of course, finish 10-3 and three as they enter 2020 with, I think, games against Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Purdue to start off the Big Ten slate. But after the opening two-game stretch against Maryland and Michigan, I will say this. You know, if you want to know the difference between the Underwood and the Gross era— I don't look at any of those games as potential blowouts. I think Michigan State's an interesting matchup for this team because you can actually match the Spartans' interior. And then, you know, you got Cassius Winston, but do you have more depth potentially in the backcourt than Michigan State? I think it's a good early season challenge. What the hell? You go up there January 2nd and see what can happen, right? Wisconsin, Purdue after that, these are teams that where you're, where you're at right now and how you've looked at your best. You have opportunities to get quality wins early in January. This is not something I would have been saying after the Miami game. And to be quite honest, probably not something I was saying after the Maryland game too, because I was still waiting to see if that performance against Maryland was the aberration, or if in fact that could become the new expectation. And the choke job at Maryland was the aberration. That was the thing that we aren't going to see much of. If that's the case, this team will get quality wins. If that's the case, this team will make the tournament, barring setbacks in the Big Ten. What I was reminded of Friday night with Indiana hosting Nebraska is that even the worst team in the Big Ten, which it might probably be Northwestern, but Nebraska's 13th tops. Well, there's no gimmies. On an off night, Nebraska could come into your place and they could compete right here at the State Farm Center. I'd need to check the schedule and see if you even played them twice. Then you got Rutgers, who lays waste to a ranked Seton Hall team. And yeah, you know, they have the emotion behind it because they're playing their fellow Jersey University, but they kicked their butts. And this was not that long after they went to Michigan State and competed for 40 minutes. So the Big Ten is better than I thought. And this seems to be something I get into every season thinking, that's eh, not all that good. You know, this is an opportunity for Illinois to do something in a not so good Big Ten. That was how I entered this year thinking. Well, what I do like about the Big Ten being better than we thought is there are more opportunities for quality wins. And this is where it was, I think, really shrewd on the part of the conference to say, we're going to play 20 conference games because that could be the difference in one or two more teams sneaking into the NCAA tournament because they'll have more quality wins. Even one more quality win instead of playing the likes of, I don't know, North Carolina A&T. Now, Illinois is not going to get them until December 29th. And in the meantime, we had a rivalry game to think about. Missouri, Mark Smith, Jeremiah Tillman, Conzo Martin, things not going as planned at Missouri. They aren't very good. And this is somewhat surprising to me, I need to be honest, because if I go back to when the coaching search was taking place, or for that matter, when the 200 level was on the spring of 2016, John Gross's final season at Illinois, 
Breitweiser and I were staunch supporters of Conzo Martin coming to coach here at Illinois. The idea being that, yes, we understood he's not a great X's and O's coach. He hasn't been any, any place he's been. But he could recruit in the St. Louis area when it was ripe with talent. And then he could immediately upgrade the talent and eventually, hey, the wins will come, right? Well, Missouri, he makes the tournament his first year, not his second. They're 5-4 and four right now, and they have losses to the likes of Xavier. Nothing, no shame in that. A five-point loss on the road to Xavier. Butler at home. Again, now a ranked Butler team. They lost at home, though, by 11. At Oklahoma by 11. And Charleston Southern at home by 8. That ain't good. And by the time you listen to this podcast, they would have played Southern Illinois. So that's one other matchup you can look at. Who knows how that's going to go. I hope we don't date ourselves because if Southern Illinois actually beats Missouri, that'd be hilarious. But I don't know if I want that because Brackenwright's games are, as the cliche holds for these rivalry games, throw the records out the window. Now, last year went about as expected. Illinois wasn't playing good. Missouri at that point in the year was playing pretty good. Had more talent than you, at least it felt like. Now, I did not anticipate that Javon Pickett was going to be a star in that game. And he's okay. He's fine. But I didn't expect that he would come out and be part of the main reason you lost to Missouri last year. But you have this new burgeoning rivalry between Underwood and Conzo Martin, and they're one and one Now, if you ask me, which of these coaches has a better long-term trajectory? It's clearly Underwood right now. I mean, the arrows are pointing up here and with Missouri. They're stagnating, and that's a total mess of a program. They hire the uh, Appalachian State coach for football, which, oh, that sounds pretty good until you realize he was only there for a year after Todd Satterfield built that entire thing up. Missouri is not in a good spot right now, and you need to kick them while they're down. Brad Underwood has an opportunity here to not just win that game, but to kick their butts. Kofi Coburn should be able to handle Jeremiah Tillman. He's already done it against better players. Jalen Smith is a better player than Jeremiah Tillman. No issues for Kofi. I think he'll be fine. Teske, no issues. Tillman is not John Teske. Different players, I know, but in terms of quality, not even close. So you got Kofi. That kind of negates the Tillman effect. You have DeMonte Williams, who I think you'll probably see him on Mark Smith for quite a bit. At least in the opening four-minute stretch there, it's going to be DeMonte probably covering Mark Smith. And I think he'll be fine on that. I'm not too worried about Mark Smith. Javon Pickett, what a, you know, listen, there are enough guys on Missouri that they can win that game. But the way Illinois is playing right now, if you really want to get the fan base back on board, the, Missouri, the Michigan game, excuse me, went a long way because it showed that, yes, you can close out these games and you will get some quality wins this year and find yourself in the tournament conversation. I think there was a fear that if you lose that Michigan game, you're playing from behind the eight ball the entire season. Not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. So go down there to St. Louis, noon tip off, a sober crowd, if there ever was one at Bragg and Wright's, and kick some butt. That, that, that is what I think needs to happen. And I think it could. And part of the reason I think it could is that you came out against Old Dominion on a Saturday afternoon when there wasn't really much to gain in this game. You just had to kind of go through the motions, get the win. Well, you started to get a fairly inspired performance by Illinois. You got the opening seven-point stretch. Then there was that lull for about I don't know, six, seven minutes of game time. But from 10 minutes left in the first half on, until you put the scrubs in at the end of it, that didn't go too well, but who cares? Uh, you had a 25-minute stretch of basketball that was inspired. Great defense. Got to the rim when you needed to. And, and that is telling, I think. It's telling that maybe, just maybe, this team has figured it out. And they understand that the switch has to always be on. 
and that you cannot afford to have a bad half against most teams. I mean, look at college basketball now. The amount of parity that exists, you cannot afford to just go out and lay a stinker for 20 minutes against most any team out there. Nichols State at the start of the year, that's a pretty good lesson. And unfortunately, I think it took until the Miami game for this team to really learn that you can't afford to have those extended stretches of bad basketball. You owe Missouri for last year. That game got out of hand late. It was competitive for the entire first half and then for a good chunk of the second half, but then it got out of hand. There were some embarrassing moments in that, and it was one of those you just try to erase from your memory. Illinois owns that series, and we've had some really good stretches. John Gross won, I think, four out of five. Brad Underwood won his first, so it's a streaky series, too. Where it has been, I don't think it's ever happened in the series, where a team has won one, then the other team wins the next year, and then the other team wins the next year. So you don't get this back and forth. You get teams winning for extended stretches of time. This cannot happen with Missouri and Conzo Martin as they stand. Now, you're going to get an inspired effort from them. I don't doubt that. But this is one situation where the talent is superior on your team. If you're a tournament team, and if you've learned the lessons in the last two weeks from Miami to Maryland to Michigan... This won't be a problem. I was reflecting on the Bragg and Wright series and a lot of great memories with it. And we'll talk with Trevor about his. Now, he does not go as far back as I do, of course. He would probably begin remembering it in the 04, 05 kind of era, maybe a little bit in the early 2000s. But for me, I remember in bits and pieces the Kawan Garris game, the triple overtime where he missed the free throws that would have clinched that one. I remember that there was a stretch tail end of Lou Henson and then, really, Lon Kruger, who did not have a lot of success against Missouri. I think Lon beat Missouri his first year, but then not again. So one and three. Bill Self's first year, that was an all-time brag and rights game for me. That one went to overtime. This is Frank Williams, all those guys. And Illinois was in the top 10. I'm pretty sure Missouri might have been the top 10 as well. This one was all Frank Williams late in that game. Late second half, overtime, the Frank Williams show. And that and the Seton Hall game earlier that month were really indicative that this guy was special. Like we, we knew that this was a talent coming in, but that he became Frank the killer in those two games in December that year. That would have been 2000. So I would have been 14 years old in middle school. Let's see, right, 2000, eighth grade. And that's a really big age, I think, for sports fans. When you get into middle school and high school, you go from kind of the kid that just watches it with their parents. And certainly, you know, younger kids can have emotional reactions to sports, but they don't always really know the stakes. They don't know the history or the context behind it. And having lost three consecutive in Missouri, I wanted that one. I remember distinctly really wanting to get that win and how nice it felt. And it changes. I mean, a lot of fans can attest to this, maybe Missouri fans too. It adds a little something to Christmas when you get a big Bragging Rights win. Now, this would not be like that. You know, two top 10 teams, everything at stake with Bill Self, and I guess it would have been Quinn Snyder when he was still kind of the, the kid wonder kind. This doesn't have that sort of juice to it. It's not probably going to be a sellout. There's tickets to be had on the secondary market that don't cost that much anyway. But I still want it. I still want to get this win, and it does kind of paint a different little tone for your Christmas holiday if Illinois gets that win against Missouri. Some other ones that really stand out to me, you started that run in 2000, and Bill Self was undefeated, and I'm pretty sure that Bruce Weber won his first five. So it was eight or maybe even nine in a row that you got against Missouri. In Bill Self's final year, 
D and Darren were freshmen. James Augustine as well. That would have been Brian Cook's senior year. D, if I recall, had a tremendous game, and Illinois won by 20-something. Just absolutely smoked Missouri that year. One of the more underwhelming Bragging Rights games would have been in the Final Four season 2004-05, when Linus Kleiza kept Missouri in that game, and I think he won by nine, seven, eight, nine, something like that. But uh, that was not a very good Missouri team, but they hung in there. So if you want to go to the old adage that throw the records out in a rivalry game, that would probably be the best example of a game that even Missouri th- fans probably thought was going to be a blowout, and it wasn't. But actually attending it, the first time I attended it would have been after the Final Four season. So this would have been 05-06. Jamar Smith, if I recall, had some three-pointers that game. I say if I recall because, you know, as a freshman in college, had a pretty good time in St. Louis during that game. So, you know, there are fuzzy moments. But Illinois absolutely laid the hammer down on Missouri. And I distinctly recall walking through Union Station when there was still some activity down there. Wearing my D-Brown jersey and feeling good. It felt like we were there to stay. Now, of course, that didn't happen. The Bruce Weber era sort of tailspin after that, and then you never got back to those same heights. But at that moment, it felt really special to have been even in attendance for a Bragg and Rights game that was certainly not one that we would remember long term. But again, for me, having been down there and that being my first time, the atmosphere was still electric, and Illini fans are feeling good. We knew that we were going to win. Little did we know we'd win by that much. I went down the next year after that, so that would have been two in a row, and then it would have been a while. I think it was John Gross's second year, though, or first year, actually, when I went back. And that was a cool environment where, again, you had two top 15 teams. Illinois lost by maybe five or six. It was a close game against Missouri, and it was a bummer, but it was the first competitive game in a while, and you knew that the tide might have been turning. That next year, and this is so weird that I look back so fondly on this game, would have been John Gross's second year, and Tracy Abrams hit two free throws to put that game away. It was an awesome second half, back and forth, and it was the first time Illinois had won in some time. John Gross's third year would have been the last time that I actually bothered to go to the game. I say bothered to go to it. I should be so cynical. Ray Rice hit the three-pointer to win it. Buzzer beater. It was exciting, but it was also a noon start, which you're going to get here on the Saturday. And it was not a very good Missouri team, so we're wondering why was this so painstaking to get this win? That would have been the year with Aaron Cosby and Ahmad Starks, and things just weren't quite clicking the way that you would hope that they would be. So you got the win the year after that, and the year after that, you could tell that that series is really fizzling. Conzo and Underwood have ignited a little bit more enthusiasm in it. It's not where it was. It will really require both programs to get to a top 25 level again for there to be that sort of thing. And that's a little bit surprising because of the sort of personal nature of this rivalry as we stand here today with Mark Smith, with Jeremiah Tillman, with Conzo coming in and poaching your guys away from you. Yeah, there's there's that juice to it. But I don't necessarily look back on Mark Smith. That was only one year. I don't have a lot of fond memories of Mark Smith. So whatever, he went somewhere else. Jeremiah Tillman elected to not go here after you moved on from your last coach. Again, whatever. I mean, I think time heals a lot of those wounds. But there is something with Conzo. You do want to send a message for whenever St. Louis gets flush with talent again that you are the place to go, not Missouri. And I would be happy. As an Illini fan, yes, I do take schadenfreude, which is pleasure, in other fan bases' misery if it's the likes of Missouri or the likes of Northwestern. I don't want them to be good. I want them to be bad for extended periods of time. I would win every Bragging Rights game, even if it didn't have the same sort of juice or fire behind it, because Missouri was just outright bad. 
And it would be interesting to see Missouri get into a spot where they have to consider the long-term future of Conzo Martin. When you look at his track record, he's never stayed one place for that long, but he's never had the regional connection that he does with Missouri. So it would be one of those situations where I don't think he's going to go somewhere else. What happens if it gets to a point where Missouri has no choice but to fire their guy? I'd be okay with that. So Bragg and Wright's coming up this week. I always enjoy Bragg and Wright's week. There's nothing in between now and that game. So this podcast, what Trevor and I will focus on, of course, are the two games that came before it with Michigan and Old Dominion and, of course, Missouri coming up in the Bragg and Wright's game, which should be a win. Again, this should not be complicated. Now, the last time I came on, it said something with that much certainty would have been the Illinois-Northwestern football game. Whoops. That's also a rivalry, technically. But there's a difference here. This Illinois basketball team has the potential to be really good. We've already seen it in spurts. We question the consistency of it. I know that was Trevor's concern and still my concern. But you did see something within the last week. With this team, a full 40 minutes against Michigan. A full 25 minutes, let's call it, against Old Dominion before that game got out of hand. And in a game where they could have come out flat and could have struggled, but they didn't really. They came out and imposed their will. That's what good teams do to lesser teams. And if we do look back on that Miami game, which was so frustrating at the time, if we do look back on that someday and say, well, that would have been the turning point because you figured out that you can't do that. You can't do that. But then the second half also showed you that, yeah, you can do this. You can come back from a 27-point deficit. If that's the eureka moment, so be it. And not one that, while we were living it, anyone felt good about. But I have seen a couple commentators, I think even on the game tonight with Brian Butch, which, man, was he a ball of energy. Mention that Miami game is some sort of turning point. Okay, fine. You know, um, if, if that's what it had to take, then I'm okay with it as long as this team makes the NCAA tournament. And here's the mantra, as we stated on the first episode of the relaunch of the 200 level. Make a bowl, make the tournament. That's it. Doesn't matter how you do it. No style points necessary. Get it done. With this basketball team, though, making the tournament is a top priority. I think they can actually add some style points to it because they could get on a roll if they develop that consistency. Within the last week, I feel much more comfortable in saying that they can do that because after the Miami or Maryland game, I would have said, you know what, guys, this is the same old song and dance. In fact, last week, it felt like gross light. I really felt like it did. So it's amazing the difference that we can make. And with basketball, you can ride some momentum. You can ride good performances. Hopefully after a finals week and an entire seven days away from the court, they won't come out flat against Missouri. I don't anticipate that they will. I think it will be mostly Illini fans there. I should say the majority, let's say 60-40, based on how these two teams are playing. And yeah, it might be a noon game. It may not have the same sort of vigor of years past, but it's still Missouri. Get that win and you feel pretty good going into Christmas. And another extended break before you play North Carolina A&T December 29th, which is essentially a warm-up for at Michigan State on January 2nd. This month is flying by. It's holiday season. We're all busy. I can tell that podcast listens are starting to trickle in at different weird times because everyone's kind of obligated to holiday parties and traveling and all that sort of thing. So what we hope this podcast offers you is something that you can listen to throughout the week or on your way to a holiday function, or hell, on your way down to St. Louis for the Bragg and Rights game. I want to thank our listeners for being with us through this first year, or you know, I guess first four months of the relaunch of the 200 level. And we called the first episode of the relaunch a most consequential year. It's certainly playing out that way. 
we are going through a period of transition ourselves with Harry Black moving on to ESPN at the end of the month, and we're going to miss him terribly. We will do the official goodbyes with his last show. He's going to sit this week out. We got Trevor coming on here in just a bit to talk basketball. But again, thank you to the listeners that have stuck with us through the good and the bad news. I notice that when good things are happening, listeners increase. And it used to be a different kind of thing with sports talk where you would always associate bad things happening with, well, now we tune into cathartic sports radio. When in fact, the opposite is true. When they're winning, listeners go up. If you're a website like what Jeremy has, I'm guessing that more people are reading stories when things are going good, when the football team makes a bowl game or when the basketball team beats a top five team at home. So we noticed that uptick, but we appreciate though that even back to the, like, let's say the Eastern Michigan game, our listeners have stayed pretty consistent and we've grown throughout the months and it's really exciting to feel part of this conversation. And for those that came with us at the start or for those that found us, thank you. Now, one way you can help the 200 level get found by other people is to rate and review us on iTunes or any other podcast app. So whatever you listen to us through, if there is a way to rate or review us, please do so. Take it like, you know, 30 seconds. We'll appreciate it. And it will get us out there if anyone types in a Illini or Illinois sports to any search engine. I'm already starting to notice that we're appearing a little bit higher when someone does that on, let's say, Apple Podcast. So thank you guys for that. Uh, means a lot. Of course, thanks to our sponsors that have been with us this first four-month stretch of the 200 level or the relaunch of it with DP Doe, Fourth and Kirby, and State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, and our podcast partners with Champagne Showers Podcast Network and Alana Inquirer. Okay, again, apologies for the voice. And hopefully when I talk to Trevor, it'll be a little bit better. I'll try to get some nice tea and honey going. Um, feeling rugged right now. But we will power through because we have Illini basketball and good things to talk about. That helps me power through a cold. Trevor Valise talking Michigan, Old Dominion, I guess, and bragging rights against Missouri. It is the 200 level. It is the 200 level from the basement on a Sunday afternoon, pre-winter storm. So we're getting this in just so you, uh, while you're holed up tomorrow with nothing to do, you can listen to episode 52, which I decided to call Off the Schneid. Off the Schneid. Off the Schneid. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite have the same. No, uh, no, we don't have the full quartet here, but we do have Trevor Valise and we have a special guest, Isaac Ambrose, hey. which for, for anyone who remembers back in Tan Carp, this would have been the summer of 2018 this it was this past summer and were you through the fall or did you go back to school during the fall i went back to school so it would have been like may through august okay cool so isaac's just kind of come to check out the 200 level the the studio digs which what do you think so far very nice it's it's uh, It's a basement it's very 30 year old (laughs) man basement if i if that's what i were going to describe it to you uh, nice PS3 behind me. Thank so, you. Yeah. It doesn't work anymore. Oh, okay. It crapped out while I was playing Tiger Woods 09. Oh. <laughs> I had a great career going too, yeah. and it just stopped working. So, uh, the 200 level brought to you by DP Doe. You can order online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. Of course, fourthandkirby.com for vintage inspired Illini apparel, and brianismyguy.com for your State Farm agent, Brian Hansen. So, so this you're ta- is. You're talking about the winter storm. Well, well people the winter freak, weather People advisory. freak out about these things, yeah. and I don't know why. 
we went grocery shopping as we usually do on Sundays, and it was busier. There was an yeah. uptick. Yeah. I mean, there were people. I went to Meyer on North North Champagne. People were literally fighting over the last ice melt bag. Now, Isaac, you live up north a little yeah. bit. Well, correct? I'm actually from Grand Rapids. My parents. That's right. My parents live now in Georgetown, Illinois, over by Danville. Oh, okay. But I was actually supposed to go to over to the St. Louis area today for a family event, but they were getting a ton of snow and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they're getting hammered right now. But again, I'm from Grand Rapids, so this kind of seems funny that it's like three to five inches expected and it sounds yeah, like right. everything's shutting down. Two well, to four that, inches that's is the a point. Tuesday. It's like people are treating it like it's the apocalypse. Yeah. But it's like we, we get this every year. I mean, it's... I don't know. Exactly. We, had a, we have a teacher's thread with a, a sixth grade teachers and we have a couple that live in... Uh, one lives in Monticello, one lives in Danville and they said, do you think we might get a snow day? Not a chance. No. Yeah. So we'll wake up. You just brush the snow off the car. You, you go about your business. Yep. Uh, but we decided to do this podcast for one with basketball season. Uh, we kind of need to be timelier, it feels like. Like, we want to respond as soon after a game as possible. Yeah. Now that Old Dominion is some big deal, but I actually took a lot of positives away from that game. Really? I, we... have, I have zero takes from that game. No kidding. None. I'll tell you the I one positive the I have. the most boring, the most uninteresting. <laughs> like, I, I could not care less about what happened yesterday. Okay. That's I'll just my take. I'll tell you what I liked. Okay. That you could have had a totally flat performance, and you did for five minutes in the first half after your opening five-minute run. Okay, so let's say from the 15-minute mark to the 10-minute mark, they look flat. They were struggling in the half-court offense. We've seen that. And then you had the scrubs in late, and I'll kind of negate. I don't care about that. We'll negate it. But if you had money on the game, I think it was a 15-point spread, and you won by 14. It was an 18-2 run by Old Dominion to end the game. Hmm. 18-2 run. Which I don't care how bad your scrubs are. That's not good. Yeah. But a teachable moment, right? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, I was putting up our tree. I was doing other stuff. I was paying thirty percent attention to the game. But I just, I... it was nice that it was a game which you could pay thirty yes. percent attention to yeah. because they took care of business. And for me, all the circumstances around it, sandwiched between a big one at home against Michigan and then playing Missouri this coming Saturday, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take it. Uh, there are clearly issues still with this team. Uh, but let's go back to the Michigan game because I don't think we need to belabor Old Dominion. Were you at the game, Trevor? For I was. Michigan? Okay. I've heard that it was an atmosphere that kind of conjured up, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, I thought it was the best atmosphere of the year for sure. Uh, I don't know if it was better than the towards the end of the Michigan State game last year when you rushed the court. But other than that, I would say it was probably the loudest I'd heard it in at least a year. I think the only really open seats were back behind the backboards. So, yeah, but I mean, behind the hoops, two yeah. under level, they're still kind of not, not getting those sold. And I get right. it. I mean, people are waiting, taking a wait-and-see approach with this team. Yeah. And I think that went a long way because this team will continue to have five to ten-minute stretches in a game where they don't look all that good. But if I look around college basketball, one example being Indiana and Nebraska on Friday night, I don't know how many great teams there are. And not that I had high expectations for, like, an Indiana but they looked outright bad. Still, they almost lost at home in overtime to a, a putrid Nebraska team that had 14 new players. Right. And then I look at a Michigan, which that was a great game against Oregon yesterday. But even in the first half, Michigan did not look all that great. Michigan's not a top five team. No, of course not. I Is mean, Maryland their, a top their five resume team? dictates it so far because they've had a lot of good wins. But I did not walk away from that game going, Illinois just beat one of the five best teams in the nation. Who was the best team in the Big Ten? Ohio State? Yeah. I think okay. by far. They're yeah, the best I'll team in the country so right consistent. now. Yeah. A, a legit fi top five team. They're Ken Palm number one. Okay. Yeah. And then you look at Maryland and Michigan and Michigan State, I'd put them tier two. Yep. Yeah. Purdue, probably, Wisconsin, Illinois, tier three. And there's probably one bit of wiggle room for tier two to add one of Penn State I'd throw in there too. I do like how blurred of a line it is, though, between the second and third tier because, as you saw against Michigan, Illinois was every bit as good. 
if not better than Michigan. So in other words, if this game were played at Chrysler Arena, I think it would have been just as close, and it might have just been, you know, you flip yeah. the result a little bit. But The problem is I think all the way down to the bottom, other than maybe Nebraska Northwestern, it's just as competitive. Well, and that's the like, problem. I mean, you see now. Rutgers blow out a, a good team by 25 at home yesterday. They aren't a bottom feeder anymore. Right, so like Illinois could finish fourth, or Illinois could legitimately finish ninth. Like I, And how many Big Ten teams get in this year? It's a good question because they're going to start beating up on each other. Probably, I would say eight or nine, but like, yeah, well, you were saying there's a ton more opportunities to get those big wins and mm-hmm. play each other. Yeah, probably. I do like the 20-game schedule for yeah. that because I think it adds a team probably. Sure. Because then it gives you just one or, well, two more chances for a quality win that you wouldn't have otherwise. I, I guess, I mean, it's hard for me to take away a big macro Illinois is now good after that game because they could legitimately go out the next day and lose to Rutgers. And that's not even like a total knock on them. It's just there's so many teams like that in the Big Ten, well, right? Rutgers went up to Michigan State and they competed. For I mean, the entire right, game, right, I think right. they lost by six or seven I points. I mean, what if I told you Illinois won at Michigan State? Would you be floored? No. And then what if I told you they came home the next game and lost to a mediocre Wisconsin team? Would you be floored? No. 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 Right. So you, like you just and plus it's Wisconsin, so I'm not. Well, that's maybe a bad example. That. Yeah. But, but you do you do get them at home early, correct? So it's at Michigan State, Wisconsin at home, at Purdue. Am I getting that right uh, for the opening no, three I think games? It's Purdue at home, home, and then that's at right. Wisconsin. Fifth, yeah. yeah. Michigan State on the second. Yep. Uh, Purdue at home on a Sunday night. Yep. And then yep. at Wisconsin that Wednesday yep. after mm-hmm. that. It's just it's hard to take away one macro opinion on the team after just one game simply because the combination of the Big Ten being inconsistent and Illinois being inconsistent. But Carp- you saw consistent greatness from them on Thursday or Wednesday. Yeah, Carp, I, I asked Trevor and those guys this on Friday, and I'd be interested to hear what you say. How long, how many games do you think this Illinois team needs to play? I would, I would count yesterday as another you know, satisfying win. How yeah. long do they have to play, you know, consistent oh. before you could be like, okay, we're not going <laughs> to yeah. lose to, we're not going to go lose to Northwest. It's a good question. When I can take a mental break and not worry exactly, about every yeah. single night, is this team going to show up or are they not? I, this is why I am encouraged at the trajectory of this team over the last week. And it's a far cry from where I was after the Maryland game because the Maryland game only matters if that was, if you don't do that same thing again, meaning the end of game follies in Michigan, I, kind of like the fact that that game got within four i like the fact that they had to kind of you know they could have puckered up yet again or they stem the tide yeah and they stem the tide and they stretch that lead back to where it had been in the first place so to me it is sort of slaying these little mini dragons one at a time the first one being that you get a quality win okay they got that the manner in which you got the quality win you slay the other dragon which was late game bugaboos you didn't even have to worry about that against old dominion uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the Missouri game you faced, you know, a six seven point game going in the final media timeout. Could be a that game's going to be close no matter what. You I, think so? I'm, I'm not into the cliche. I, I'm of feeling blowout. Throw out the records, but it seems like those teams always throw. I, out the I think Illinois is primed for a blowout. Okay. This. I, I don't know why. I'm trying to remember Underwood's first year. I know they got the win, but I can't remember if it was a blowout or not. They might have won by eight or not. I think we were up like twenty at one because Trent That's was right. going off, and then we ended up only winning by a few, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Missouri had a furious comeback Blew late. The lead, yeah. Tillman mm-hmm. was good. Yeah. Last year was the Javon Pickett show. Oh yeah, that was nice. Oh, God. <laughs> so to your question. They win the next two games in the non-conference. Yeah. And you got to beat Missouri. And, and I, I treated it, and I should probably proceed with caution, because the last time I treated any game like this Bragg and Rights game was Illinois Northwestern in football. Mm-hmm. Ah, they'll, they'll be fine. I truly think this should not be, rivalry aside, this should not be a game that is a one- or two-point thing. You should be able to beat them by a few scores, because you're just better than them. Um, and, and that, I think, says more to Missouri than it does Illinois. I, I really don't I'd think... I agree with that. I mean, I think they're players that have the highest ceiling 
still have a lower ceiling than Illinois players' highest ceiling. That that was a real wraparound sentence. But like Tillman at his best is still worse than Kofi. He's no opinion. better than he was his freshman year. No, I mean he's still he's the foul- same he's, ten and six kid, and he's still fouling out almost every night. Right. Which another thing about Kofi, which we'll get to him because I don't know how long we're going to get Kofi here. I get that the NBA is moving a different direction, but he's phenomenal. Okay, so when I start feeling good about this team night in, night out, the opening three-game salvo in the Big Ten with at Michigan State, Purdue at home, at Wisconsin. So that all takes place within one week. I think three games in six or seven days. Something like that. You go two and one in that. And I think it's possible, actually, because I do think that it is a favorable matchup against Wisconsin. I know Lon's not going to watch it. I don't blame him (laughs) being at the Kohl Center. I think Purdue at home, you win. At Mackey? Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. That, that ain't going to happen. The Michigan State game is particularly interesting because I'm glad you get them January 2nd and not February 2nd. If you are going to beat them up in East Lansing, I think the earlier you get them, the better. Yeah, I think we play them later in, I think it's February 11th. Mid, Mid-February at home, yeah. pretty sure, and that would yeah. be... I don't really have like a in, like a, just a gut reaction fear of playing up there either. I, I don't. Like, I mean, you you saw John Eakey go in there and win a game against a decent team. Mm-hmm. You've seen Jalen Tate take teams up there and win against a decent Michigan State. Like, I don't have this... Like Those you are men- names like, I haven't heard right. in a very long time. Like, you mentioned Mackey and just kind of go, like, oh, <laughs> like, they're not going to win at Mackey. But I don't go, oh, the Breslin Center and, 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 and get concerned about that game. Isn't that, that weird? Way. I mean, that rivalry... Which with it them, should, right? Because they're perennially a top 10 team, but I don't think of them in the terms of... There's no way Illinois can ever beat them. It's bizarre how Michigan State, when I see them on the schedule, I'm like, you know, we can split those. Yeah. And then I see Wisconsin. In I'm both like, sports now. I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. And it does make Kara being a Michigan State grad. She's like, why in the last decade when Illinois has stunk, do you still manage to play okay against Michigan State? I don't get it's it. It's probably the one top tier Big Ten team that they do play well against yeah. consistently. But Purdue and Wisconsin have kind of replaced this like, oh, we're never going to win at those places. Whereas yeah. East Lansing, I'm like, i take your shot. Right. And Wisconsin's really confusing because they blow out Indiana, but then Indiana doesn't look good. They've lost to – I don't know who they lost to. in the. They lost to NC State on the road. They're not very good. I mean, Wisconsin's been all over the place. They lost to Richmond and New Mexico back-to-back days in a tournament. Um, but, but but it's just one of those things where, like, say they go 2-1 in one of those three games, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned. The next three are – Rutgers and Northwestern at home. Okay, but I, I look at that and go, well, now they got to go 2-0, and oh, and I'm like, I could still see them losing to Rutgers at home. For sure. Now, they do have a week between that Rutgers and Northwestern game. So that the four-game stretch from January 2nd to the 11th at Michigan State, Purdue at home, at Wisconsin, Rutgers at home. You must go 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. I mean, because you got to get the one against Rutgers as good as they're playing. If you go 3-1 – and one, all of a sudden, I'm like, well, this is firmly a tournament team. Sure. Because that would include at least two quality wins. And this is what it's all about for me now. You know, Michigan notwithstanding, Michigan's going to make the tournament this year. Yeah, they'll be a tournament team. I don't think they're a top seed or something. but they're... No, but I could see them four or five seed. Sure. I think on the strength of Livers, who had a bad first half, and then he scores their first 11 points mm-hmm. in the second. And there's talent on that team. Xavier Simpson's struggling, and yet they've done a lot of this so far. Well, they could go 500 the rest of the way, and it wouldn't matter because they've already got three wins over top 10 teams. <laughs> what was that tournament? North Carolina? It was, it was North Carolina and Gonzaga. Gonzaga, who... Yeah. And I mean, they're going to be top And a ranked three. Iowa State yeah. team. And they beat all three of them three straight days by like 20 points each. Yeah. Okay. So for me, three and one of the opening four game stretch in the Big Ten, you're firmly in the tournament. Two and two, you're holding serve. And if it is a conference that gets eight or nine teams, if you can find your way to four or five quality uh, wins in conference, you already got one with Michigan. This is where I don't want the Maryland game to loom large. So I got rose colored glasses on right now. I mean, after the way that they won the last two games, I'm thinking there's a path here, but there's no doubt that that absence of a quality win at Maryland could bite you. And the Miami game is probably not going to show up as a bad loss. 
No, and I technically think speaking, I'd rather have it this way, where you beat Michigan and lose to Miami at home, than the other way around, right? Because oh, if for you sure. beat Miami and lose to Michigan, that's not that's no note on your resume. Whereas this is a note. What is encouraging for this team? Georgie and Kofi together was my biggest concern. And Georgie, through the first half against Michigan, looked kind of like he had the rest of the year. Uh, disjointed. Yep. Um, I don't want to say turnovers di- in the first half. Yeah, and I don't want to say disengaged because I don't think that's necessarily it. But it's like, well, you're telling me now I'm a four to play on the perimeter. I hadn't done that all last year. And yet he's a tremendous interior passer. He had a couple yesterday against Old Dominion mm-hmm. that shows you he's great finding Kofi inside. But now they're starting to actually mesh. And I'm thinking, okay, well, your strength against Michigan was that you were able to out-muscle, out-rebound, and out-tough them, which is a far cry from what I'm used to with all oh, yeah. my basketball in the last decade. That was probably my biggest takeaway from the game overall was just that how many times have you walked away from a game in the last decade, like you said, where you think, okay, Illinois got more blocks, Illinois got more dunks, Illinois kind of punked the other team. You know, and Illinois walked away and Michigan walked away like, whew, like they were just physically exhausted after that game. And I can't remember how many times it's happened. Yeah, I think Co- having Kofi and, and Georgie, if we play any team that doesn't have guy that a guy that's like the size of Kofi or like around the size, I feel like I have we have a chance to win that game. And especially if Io and stuff's playing decent, if we can just feed it into Kofi and play the offense off of him like we have been. I just think it gives us a chance to get to the free throw line, gives us a chance for them to help Kofi. Somebody's going to be open. Well, and we don't send the other team to the free throw line. This is what's weird is that we are not fouling and we're drawing plenty of fouls. Old Dominion had like eight or nine in the first 10 minutes yesterday. Uh, But, you know, to the point of Kofi, I think the concern was that he's not going to be a very good passer. And yet I'm seeing some pretty good passes Mm -hmm. from him down low back outside. Now, the perimeter shooting is going to continue to be a concern. It's going to be inconsistent all year, unless an Allen Griffin all of a sudden becomes the sharp shooter. Or he had a few yesterday. Yeah. He did. He did. He needs. He needs more minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tev is someone that I'm not banking on any of that because, you know, to expect that he's going to all of a sudden find his groove quickly that that ain't going to happen. But uh, when you have an interior presence like that, I'm thinking that's where Michigan State game all of a sudden you're matching their strength. And yes, they got a Cassius Winston. You don't have that. Sorry, Io. Sorry, Andres Feliz. You don't have a guy like Cassius Winston. But um, it's weird to think that you match their strength and that numbers-wise, in terms of your backcourt, you might have as good of a roster as Michigan State. I I know that sounds crazy right now, but I see a team with a high ceiling. um, But I was so concerned in the first six weeks that this was never going to mesh. Now Mm -hmm. I think there are glimmers. Glimmers that it could. Yeah, and to Isaac's point, I agree. Like, Io going, what did you have, like 12 and 8 against Michigan? I think it was yeah, like 14 something like that. It was somewhere around there. Yeah. I would gladly take that over 30 from Io and very little from everybody else, or 30 from Trent and very little. If everybody could have the defined role that they had in that Michigan game, I think that this team could win 23 games. Well, I honestly do. Kipper contributing, Io doing enough but not too much, Trent doing enough but not too much. Feed it inside to Kofi and Georgie. It helped that Georgie was on Livers because Livers was smaller than Georgie. You kind of saw some of those vintage Georgie moves from him again against Michigan that you hadn't really seen all year. But I would take those types of roles from those guys for the rest of the year. Yeah, I would too. I mean, Kipper is one of the bigger surprises because he is playing with consistency and we're seeing less boneheaded plays, which we kind of grew accustomed to. That he's going to come out. He's Not only is he not going to score for you like he used to, the theory that I had in the opening segment was that I forget when I first heard this, and I think it was when Larry Hughes was on the Bulls back in the you know early 2000s, 03, 04 mm-hmm. maybe, and he was filling it up for 25 a night. And I'm thinking, wow, this Larry Hughes guy is really good. But then I think it was Boris and Bernstein in 670. They say in the NBA, sometimes if you got a bad team, someone's got to score. 
Okay, so I'm right. thinking about Kipper's first couple of years on bad rosters. Somebody not named Trent Frazier had to score, and he just happened to be that guy, especially his sophomore yeah, year. Sure, like if Trent is having an off night against Iowa in that Big Ten tournament, Madison Square Garden, Kipper scored 32 because no one else was <laughs> yeah, taking the ball, God. right? <laughs> Which you don't need from him, you know. But I No, do- you don't. I mean, the thing with Kipper, though, was like if you look at his shot now and his shot as freshman or sophomore year, it looks completely different. Like we were saying last week, it looks like someone's punching him in the stomach while he shoots, <laughs> and I don't understand. Like He truly looked broken to me. And 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 I don't I don't understand where that came from and how you could have that uh, steep of a drop off after scoring thirty two. I mean his his lasting memory from his sophomore year was that he just scored thirty two in a Big Ten tournament game, and he comes out the next year and just stinks. I don't understand how you can do that. But to your point, a certain amount of that is someone has to score. I do think that proves kind of how big of a mental battle basketball is, and I think Kipper just really it's like he put all this he felt all this pressure. I don't know if it was from like the staff or what it was, but it's like. He feels like, okay, I need to be the person going out and scoring 30 points a game. And then he just went from that to the opposite. Right, like he wouldn't even look at the basket. Yeah, He's never been one, I I think. And it's a small sample size. But I I thought the same thing where whenever he had expectations on him, it wasn't going to end well. Well, he had no expectations coming in. None of us thought he was going to do anything this year. And frankly, I don't know if Brad Underwood thinks all that much of him. It's like, well, we got to play you because Tev is not out there. But Kipper's playing himself into a role that Tev Jones is not necessarily going to you know, creep in and grab those 10 minutes a game from Kipper. Not for the time yeah, being. Yeah, I mean, Tev has a higher ceiling, certainly, in terms of offensive ability, I think. But I'm not sure Tev could do what Kipper's doing right now, which is taking charges and getting to the free throw line. The defense is another thing that encourages me because I think that they've figured it out. They know oh, what they're Michigan, good at. The defense against Michigan and Maryland were amazing. And this you is allow where 59 to Maryland and 61 to Michigan, two teams that were averaging 85 a game. Do you feel that, because I heard it, Brian Butch was all over it, which he was all over a lot yeah! of things. <laughs> but I mean, Dan Dockage. Be is doing, the three! Dan Dockage did the same thing in the Michigan and the Maryland games where he was pointing that Miami game and he was talking about this being the turning point. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I would have preferred they just won that stupid game and never got down 27 in the first place. <laughs> well, that's my take with it, too. I mean, continue first. But well, yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, the um, back to the rose-colored glasses. The optimist in me would say, well, you know, all this team needed was a good kick-in-the-butt reminder that you got to play 40 minutes a game. Well, but that seems almost overly simplistic. Like, why didn't they know that in the first place? Yeah, look, right? my, my take on that would be I think that is that is true to a certain extent, but also they got a kick-in-the-butt at Arizona. They got a kick in the butt the last game in Italy. They lost to like an Italy C team. The, oh, the C team. I thought it was the B team. Was it the B team? I don't I mean, know. Regardless. It was, it was but like the Netherlands. The point it? is like I agree with the idea that they are now meshing and they've kind of found their identity. But my overarching question would be why did it take until December 15th to discover your identity? You've had since August. And frankly, you've had since last August with everybody except Kofi. Yeah, that's my concern too. I mean, I'm not an. Underwood. I'm okay with it now because it, it seems it. like they developed it. But I, w- I would, I would counter that by saying I wish they developed it earlier. You know, what was Brad doing with 23 practices in the fall if he just didn't know the identity? Well, then, because you know? now that you got the win against Michigan, and again, we're going to see how much that's actually worth at the end of it. Because you're exactly correct. When they get in the Big Ten schedule, they could crap the bet against Rutgers at home. Which again, that's not to you know say anything negative about Rutgers, but. No. They could lose games that, frankly, a tournament team should not. I'm going to have a hard time picking game by game, like we just did with that three-game slate, which ones they're going to win, but I think I could summarize overall how many I think they'll win. Does that make sense? For sure. And to Isaac's question, if you were to sit here right now and we asked you, when would you feel comfortable game to game? Are you going to get there this year, regardless of what happens? Uh, I think it depends, and it's kind of a cheat-out answer, but like you said, I think it depends on the manner in which you win those games. If you see more late-game struggles and you end up winning... You know, say it's Purdue at home, you're up by 12, and you win by three. 
and then you keep seeing that over and over again. Yeah, I'll take the wins, but I'm still not feeling 100% confident if you're still seeing the similar struggles. So for the Missouri game coming up, I'm wondering then, you guys think it's going to be a close game? I think these are always going to be close. I mean, you look at, well, I can't say, you can't look at the Michigan-Ohio State recently, but I mean, those games always come out close. And I feel like basketball is something that's just so... Well, it's, it's, just, it's, it's all about runs. Yes, And even, exactly. even mediocre teams can get them. And, you know, Mark Smith could have one of those games where he just fills it up. It and is keeps really it. all about runs, though. I mean, Illinois could go into the locker room up 31-13 to 13 on Missouri. That's not going to be the score. But, you know, something like that. And it could easily be a five-point game in the second half. What would be the most feel-good outcome? Uh, barring, you know, 30-point blowout. Let's say a more realistic outcome. Because as much as I said earlier, I do think that this series is ripe for a blowout. In yeah. Illinois' favor, I would I, just say a, a late run in your favor to close a game. Okay, so you're up like five at the last media timeout, and, and then, then you come out and you win by 14. Yeah, that to me would feel like okay, that was nice to see because even in the old Dominion game, it sounds funny, but you close the game on a 18 to two run for the opponent. The Michigan game, obviously, you come back and fight off them closing the game, and then Maryland, obviously, I don't need to tell you about that one. So <laughs> it would be nice. It would be nice to have that that delineation of the under four timeout go all your way after it. Okay, because you haven't really seen that in. What, almost a month? I think so, yeah, about, yeah. More or less. Well, the thing that's scary for me is Mizzou, I think Illinois has a lot more to lose in this game, so Mizzou's kind of... I agree with that, They, yeah. they lost to Charleston, Charleston Southern, Southern and, home, yeah. so they're not playing the best, and I think if Illinois loses this game, it's going to come back and bite them. Oh, but for sure. Mizzou yeah. has this opportunity to get this big win on the, the neutral court against an Illinois team who could who will probably be in the tournament. And that's kind of how Mizzou's been playing this game for years now, right? I mean, I don't think Missouri's been very good. I know they made it as a nine-seed one year when Illinois beat him, Brad Underwood's first year. Yeah. That's right. But I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know when the last time Missouri has actually had a lot on the line in this game. That was the year with Porter, with Michael Porter. Porter, yes. Porter got hurt, yeah. 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 But, yeah. but he wasn't playing. Yeah. Jonte. Yeah. And Jonte's right. not there anymore. So you right. got Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith, you have Pinson. Yep. You see the kid from Chicago? And sure, then you have Pickett. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pinson, I think, is a point guard from Chicago. <laughs> okay. And then you all got right. Pickett. So you got all these sort of the guys that you either had and didn't end up Mm-hmm. You know, securing, or you got a guy like Pinson that you didn't quite look at. Pretty sure that was the tail end of the Gross era that they just did kind of ignored him. I think There's that was so when many names. That was I when Gross know. got fired, I believe, right? And Tillman and all those guys kind of Tillman. Right, so I, if, if I recall, Tillman the retweeted timeline. his commitment yeah. tweet a week after Gross got fired. Right, right, right. And it was one of the craziest news stories out of nothing I'd ever seen because it wasn't like he even made an announcement. All he did was retweet a previous tweet. But then, of course, he comes out another week later with the notes paragraph and. I recall vividly seeing the news that he decommitted and knowing that I think it was mid middle of the week and middle of the day, right around lunchtime. I decommit from Illinois. I wish them the best and reopening my recruitment. And it didn't say Missouri yet. You knew where he was going. We knew though. where he was yeah. going. And I mean, because it went back to, I think, Conzo going into his high school and saying, now nah, I'm just dropping in. Because I yeah. think he went to East St. Louis. He was visiting he was another recruit, supposedly. Right, it was right, earlier right, that course. week that he was, yeah. So this. Rivalry has some juice that it did not during the John Gross Kim Anderson era, which is funny <laughs> because those games were the last games where you had two ranked teams playing, right? Okay. You had you had like three straight years where it was in the twenties, uh-huh. both teams. Okay, so the first Gross year, which I think Stan Haith was still there, was it Haith? Um, Frank Haith. I'm Frank, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Frank, Frank Haith, Haith yeah, was yeah. there, I think, for the first two. Did he get Gross hit years. with a scandal or something? He did. That's why yeah. he left. Right to Tulsa because he knew that they were going right. to be screwed. Was it paying a recruit? I forget what the deal was, was, but uh, Frank Haith, John Gross won. This is kind of like, you know, Ali Fraser sure. won. Yeah, chapter okay, one. So we, <laughs> we got Haith Gross won, mm-hmm. which was a great game between Illinois, I think was top 10, because this was post Gonzaga, post Maui Invitational. Mm-hmm. If I recall, they had not lost a game yet. Yeah. 
Missouri was a, a oh that top, was their first loss right yeah, yeah. Missouri was yeah. top ten or fifteen and Missouri won I think by four or five close game great game mm-hmm. great atmosphere it felt like reinvigorated the second year was one of my favorite bragging rights memories because Tracy Abrams hit two free throws right. late to secure it yep and it was just a back and forth as you get used to in the bragging rights game and I wanted it so bad because it had been I think four years since you'd last won it it's it's yes. a series of yes. streaks. That's what would make this all the more odd if Illinois does come out and win because you'd have one for Illinois in Underwood's first year, then a loss, then a win. Mm-hmm. It's, this has never happened in the series. Yeah, because it was four in a row for Missouri, then five in a row for Illinois, and now we've got one back to Missouri. That's right. So Gross won his last four. Yes. Now, granted, uh, his third or his second win, which would have been his third bragging rights, was when Ray Rice hit the buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. And that was a noon start. That was another against noon an start. Against an awful Missouri team. Against a terrible Missouri team. So the fact that it took a buzzer beater... I wanted to be pumped, but it was more just like, how the hell? Because that came after the Oregon loss to the United Center. Yes. Yep. Where you felt like, what is this team? <laughs> yeah. Which I felt that that was yeah. the way this team was trending. Because at the end of that game, they chose to play out the possession against Oregon when they could have fouled. Something I believe like that. And what what happened was Illinois made a shot to, to um, bring it within one, I think. It, I, I'm just spitballing. It was like 71-70 Oregon with about 40 seconds left, and you let them play it out. Obviously, and if they make a shot, it would be a Brett backbreaker. They make a three; it's wide open, and then they win. It was one of those that, as you but watched yeah. it, you knew this is going to bite us. How yes. nice! And the Missouri it, yes. game didn't do anything to. How nice balance. is it that we're not going to the United Center this year? You know, it's yeah. actually a nice break from it, and a sad, a sad end to what used to be a great yeah. home court, a home away from home, because there were games back in the. Uh, this started mid '90s with Lou Henson, and I'm pretty sure that the first game was against Duke. And it was post uh, Christian Leitner. There was a guy named Cherokee Parks, and he was Christian Leitner Jr., essentially. I want to say Trajan Langdon was maybe a freshman. He was later on the team that won the national title. And Illinois lost by one or two, I think. The next year they beat Cal, and then I don't think they lost again at the United Center until maybe for those December games, until they played Gonzaga. It went to overtime and they lost. Yeah, in 2008 or yep, nine with Dominique that. Keller. Yep, I remember that game. The Dominique Keller game. So that was the first time they lost that game. And then the Big Ten tournament record was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were something like 12 and 6 or something. So I, I missed what They lost to UIC it, in 2012 in or 13. Yeah, something like that. Well, let's see here. 2009. I thought Revante Rice was on the team that lost to University of Illinois Chicago Flames. Okay, the, the UIC game was 2010 because I want to say it was okay. around the same time you lost the Texas Bowl. Or the, yeah. won the Texas Bowl. And that team maybe, still maybe made beat, the tournament. Maybe they beat UIC there two or three years later, but it was close. No, that's right. That's okay. right. Was right. That, that, that's what I was thinking who of. Who was the kid? I was about to say Kimbo Slice. That's not the kid's name. <laughs> there was a guy that was on that UIC team remember. in 2010 with just a great name. Lon, Lon, I know, would be able to pick it out in a second. But you still made the tournament that year. Yes, that was the year you beat UNLV and then lost to Kansas. Correct. Uh, so to, a long-winded way of answering, Isaac, that that series used to mean a lot. The best moment in that entire thing would have been, well, two of them for me. Back in 1998 or 97, you played Kansas up there. So Roy Williams in Kansas, they were top 10, and you were, uh, you know, top 25. Illinois wins. Later that night, my family went to this Mexican restaurant called Carlos O'Kelly's, which is by the Schnooks in Champagne. And as we're walking out, my dad's like, hey, that's Lon Kruger. Do you want his? I was, you know, 12. He wants his autograph. I was like, yeah, yeah. So he said, you know, hey, uh, thanks, Michael. Go Illini, whatever. And I felt, wow, this is so cool. Lon Kruger's our guy. He's a great coach. We won against a top 10 team in Chicago. But the game that really stands out to me was in 2000 against Arizona. And you would just beat, you'd lost to them by a point or two in Maui. 
This was the Arizona team that you ultimately played three times. Mm-hmm. And you beat them, I want to say, 11 or 12 points. This is right before Christmas. This is when that game was a big deal. And, of course, we know what happens in March against Arizona. Yeah. But those two teams could have played 10 times. They would have won five and five. You ready One of the most for, even matchups. Are ever. you ready for the name? <laughs> okay, so give me the first letter. R. His initials are RK. Oh, God. Sounds I, like a Terminator bot. Rico. No. Robo. Robo Kreps. Robo Kreps. In 2010, correct? <laughs> yes. Had a great game. Yep. UIC upsets number 14, Illinois. And Lon and Jeremy were joking, I'm pretty sure, about what a cool name that was before, thinking this is going to be a cakewalk. Part of this agreement, handshake agreement or something, that UI and UIC had just to sort of highlight UIC Flames in Chicago. It backfired. It didn't end too well. Yeah, they, they got highlighted all right because they won the game. Um, that game sucks. I was trying to figure out how many he scored in that game. They won 57-54. <laughs> so Bruce Weber, 54 points since UIC. This feels like a year, though, that would be kind of fun to maybe go play at the United Center. I know. You know trying to testing maybe maybe us up against one of the maybe the Blue Bloods or something like that. It's got to be attention. one of those schools. Though, yeah, but last year was just kind of a slap in the face, like... Your season's kind of already going down the drain. Let's go get embarrassed in Chicago. To a Big Ten team. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and the, and thing the year was, before was, that, you lost to New Mexico State. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> and for Lou Henson Knight, I think Knight. What, the salt in the wound, and this is no fault of Lou, of course, but he was sick, I don't. Right, I think, he wasn't, he wasn't able to go. Yeah, he wasn't there. So what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have the, play them at home. Yeah, Why does Lou Henson care what happens yeah. in the United Center, right. if, even if right. he's able to attend the game? Uh, okay, so United Center, I Long would love to get short. back to it. Long story short, which is the name of the game at the 200 level. Long stories with really short answers. You know, I think you do get that series going again if you get any sort of semblance of relevance, right? And I think that you can in these next two years. But here's the long-term concern I have that is a good news, bad news. The good news is would be that Io is certainly looking like a guy that's going to come back. The bad news is that that probably costs you Adam Miller if the whole not signing thing clues you into it. But then I was thinking about this. Let's say you still have a really good year and Io comes back. Andres Feliz is still leaving, and I know technically that's going to be Andre Corbello coming in, but... Mm-hmm wouldn't Adam Miller want to join a team that's returning everybody and would be top 15 right off the bat? You think? I feel like he, yeah, he could smooth into things before having to be, you know, the guy. Because what was the other school that we're worried about? Uh, is that Ari- known? It was Arizona State, right? Are oh, you talking about or, for Adam Miller? For Adam Miller, Michigan, right? Well, now it's Michigan because oh, he Michigan said Juwan, that it, yeah. he, he literally said, I'm committed to Illinois, but I had a really good talk with Coach Howard the other day. And why wouldn't you? Because Juwan Howard, is he's going to kill it up there. Yeah. I mean, this is... My concern when he got there was that recruiting, he was going to be great. Well, I didn't figure he would also rattle off three top 15 wins in the People first. People are giving him too out. much credit for being honest. Oh, no, no, but here's the deal. <laughs> That's going to sell, right? That's yeah, going to sell. I know. He's, he's the former NBA player that... And he uh, came into the press conference and said, we played like bleep. Right. And it's like, wow, that's great. Everyone starts tweet lauding him on well, Twitter. you know my thoughts about sports media. Yeah. But he is cool, you got to admit. And he walks into your I room guess. compared to Brad Underwood, no offense yeah, to Underwood, yeah. of course. They, they already got a five-star no, like, they did. Yep. Isaiah Todd, right? Yep. Yep. He's uh, one of the top players. Is he a guard? He's ninth. He's thirteenth overall in twenty twenty. Of course, he's a big power forward. Six ten, two fifteen. Yeah, of course. So. See, there's the catch. He's go. a power forward. Yeah. Well, I don't understand the whole. I think your question's fair, but I just don't understand the whole drama thing between wanting to be the star of your team and being the kid from Chicago who needs to take the reins of the team. Like, I don't understand that dynamic. But I at all, see. That's so. where the that's where good recruiting comes in, though. I feel like Brad could. 
if Brad and the staff's going to be good recruiting like they've proven, they can convince a guy like Adam Miller to come be inserted into this system. Yeah, kinda... but I, it would be a situation where you aren't going to be the stud from day one. Yeah. I mean, you would be one of a an amazing stable of guards if you have Trent Io, Adam Miller, huh. and Andre Corbella. <laughs> that'd be like that'd the best in the nation. I mean... It does make it weird that he goes to the same. He plays for the same team Io did, yes, correct? So it's kind of just yeah. awkward. Like if Adam comes here, living or playing in Io's shadow. And this is why all the unspokenness. Of well, the same thing with THT, right? He didn't want him to come here to play in his shadow. So I, I get it to an extent. Where and also, why wouldn't you want to play for Michigan if you're going to go in there and take over Xavier Simpson? I know he's not a true point guard, but he would be running the show essentially from day one. Or unless I'm overstating how good Adam Miller no, is. No, you aren't. <laughs> uh, he would be. God. And then you get three or four years of watching him kill it. And this is no offense to Io, but I'm seeing a guy that, unfortunately, I feel like has regressed. Well, the trade-off, as you just mentioned, too, is just the pure quantity. Even if Io was NBA-level good again, you'd be getting him for one more third year, and you'd be sacrificing maybe two or three more years of Adam Miller, Which right? you could make up for in the 2021 class with another sure. stud. And here's the deal. like This is where... You know, the Kofi thing that we'll talk about in a second, like let's say he goes pro and he'd be like, ah, damn it, after one year, which I, I don't anticipate that happening. But if it did, it's good news, bad news, where you get a guy in the pros, which should help your recruiting down the road. But the bad news is short term, you lose that guy. Yeah, I don't really buy into that that much. Can I like the whole thing? Like if you lose your head coach, it's a good sign if, if he goes elsewhere. So you're saying if you lose a guy to the pros, not necessarily a good thing. I mean, long term, sure, but I don't think anyone's walking away from that day if Kofi announces he's leaving going, boy, this sure is a great sign for I the agree. future of Illinois basketball. And it all comes down to what happens next. Because if Kofi goes pro and then all of a sudden there's another seven-foot guy from Jamaica who's great at basketball that says, hey, well, I know where to go now. Right. You yeah, know, that, now we got the new totally pipeline fair. to Kingston, yeah, and yeah. that'd be great. But it's just people are saying, like, well, what if Bill Self got fired and Underwood did so well that he moved to Kansas? Well, that <laughs> yeah. would be great. And I'm thinking, why would that be great? No, I, I, I get it. <laughs> I, my, my thought, the one caveat to that would be, uh, and this is apples and oranges, but I think a somewhat similar situation would be assistant coaches getting poached. That's the only sure. time where it is truly good news, but good news. But that's an assistant. Right, right. Where you're saying, well, we got a coaching tree now, or the assistants yeah. we have. Bill Self had it where he turned these guys out and they became head coaches. Because ultimately, it won't affect your on-court performance. Right. Losing Kofi would It's more him. of an optics thing right. than anything else. So I, I'm not worried about long-term optics right now. I'm just trying to get good players on the floor. And, and this is where the I.O. thing is just puzzling because, you know, he made some threes last night against Old Dominion. Yeah. Right. Uh, his shot is interesting. I mean, I'm no shooting expert, but some shots just look fluid and they look natural. This one looks very it's set. rigid. Yeah, it's set. He kind of pulls it up in front of his face. It just doesn't seem like something that would work in the NBA over you know yep. somebody that's six six guarding him. And but he worked all the, summer on this. Right. Apparently. And then this on the, the flip side, no one no one looks more fluid and in transition than Io does. Yeah. Right. I mean, it sometimes doesn't even look like he's running or jumping, and suddenly he's all the way down the court with an amazing layup, and but, it's like there was a projection this week, and I forget what website, but it had him a fifty first. That's about where he is right now, I think. <laughs> and I mean, and this were... is, you aren't going to go pro, or right. I, I think anyone, uh, he seems like a smart enough guy, and he's got a family support system and all that. They would probably not say, Io, now's the time. Derek said there were 18 scouts at the Illinois-Maryland game. I don't know how e any one of those 18 could walk away thinking, this is a guy that's fringe lottery, first round, even top second round type pick. What do you think those 18 scouts thought about Kofi sitting the last five minutes of the game? <laughs> Well, I don't think it, it takes an NBA scout to know that that wasn't a good move. It may, and this is what I hope. I hope it doesn't mean a thing. Uh, I, I hope the only thing that it might mean is that you got a seven seed instead of a six. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, I don't want this to be that quality win that 
kept you on the right side of the bubble when we're mid-February and you find yourself losing three out of four. I want something. this year to be the year when you faced Colorado as a seven seed, right? Yeah, yeah. And not that that was a great year because you started out two and seven in the Big Ten that year. It was Gross's first year. But I want to have enough comfortability with your tournament resume that you are truly – and although people weren't necessarily feeling that comfortable for whatever reason that morning – in 2012, uh, for against the selection Colorado. Show. Oh no, 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 no I mean, I mean, I get it. some people still thought, oh, they're on the bubble. They get a seven seed. I mean, their resume was definitely good enough. I just want to be sitting there going, okay, seven, eight, or nine, not okay, nine, ten, or last four in, or maybe out. I do remember watching that Minnesota game in the United Center, back to United Center memories in the Big Ten tournament, where Brandon Paul hit the game winner, and thinking, ah, you're in, like that. That yep. for whatever reason was okay. Now you're good. Well, be- and you almost beat. Um, I think it was number one Indiana the next day. You competed. Uh, Juan did you and not, I did. You not almost beat. No, I don't, I don't you, you still okay. lost by twelve or something. Okay, but all right. You were in it, kind yeah. of. Juan and I actually had a uh, a remote at Dublin O'Neills that day. <laughs> okay, are they still around? Uh, I don't know. I don't think. They, I don't know what is or what well, is. Victor anymore. Oladipo was on that Indiana team. Victor Oladipo, yeah. Luke Zeller, Zeller, right? yeah. Zeller, yeah, one and of then, the Zellers. Oh gosh, there was. Well, a, I mean, that was the team that you beat. Christian Watford in February is that right? Yeah, Christian yeah, yeah. Watford. I mean, Watford, yeah. You, you upset the them when they were number one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, Yogi yeah. Ferrell. Right, Yogi Ferrell. Yeah, that was a pretty good team. One seed that didn't. Right. I think they lost in the Sweet Sixteen to Syracuse. Uh, yes, I believe so. Okay, and that same tournament, if I recall, it was either that year or the year after. But Missouri was a two seed. Yep, they lost to the Norfolk State. Norfolk yes. State yes, in the first round. Two, yeah. I think I had them in like the final four. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. So mad. Yeah. I feel like that was the same year. Or, I no, think it might have been the year after. No, that was I a Frank Haith right. team. Yeah, I that was Frank Haith's right. team that lost, and that he was only there for Gross's first year. We did a remote from Jupiter's of the Crossing for the Illinois Colorado game, and it was the most bizarre tournament watching experience I can remember because you built an early lead. And everyone's feeling great. Wasn't it wasn't even to, close, yeah. yeah. You're going to halftime up 11 or 12. You're looking good. Um, you sort of knock off. For me as a fan, it had been a couple years. I say two years. like That That was a long time back then. Yeah. Two years from right. German beers. Now we're over five. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but I, I remember feeling nervous because it had just been a while. Well, you look in the first half. 48 to 33, I remember specifically. But if you... And wanted, that's when it stopped. <laughs> yes. If you want to talk about scoring droughts... This was monument. This was like a 10-minute scoring. I thought it was 12. I was going to say, I remember 12. Where you didn't score a field goal, and I think the only thing that got you off of that were a few free throws, and you had somehow maintained a small lead by the end of it, and you ended up winning. It was 48-33, to and I think the final score was like 55-50 to or something. I was spent after that game. Yes. And then, but that was a great opportunity for that team, and this is where I think you're right with this, Trevor, about this team. Let's say they were a seven seed. I don't mind that seeding because then you face a team that is likely more vulnerable than a one seed. I would love a seven seed. Yeah. Against a, a two seed, as you were just talking about, who's really great in college basketball. What if you got, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Well, of especially random. this year because there's so many teams that right. are consistent. I'm trying so. to think of a right Like Baylor is right now is a top 15 team. They have good wins, but I think Illinois could beat Baylor. Agreed. What if you win the 7-10 game and get Baylor, who rose to a two seed because they finished second in the Big 12 behind only Kansas, who was a one seed? You just don't want the eight or nine because here's Kansas. Yes. Here's Duke. Here's Kentucky. Right. You're in, you're out. You know what you get. And I, I don't think that this, that's one of those one in 10 shots. You know, yep. you got you to yep. have your great game on a Sunday night and you, you settle in and you watch it and you're like, I know this isn't going to happen. Well, like the Illinois-Kansas the game after they beat UNLV. No one yeah. thought they were going to win that game, No, right? you competed kind of. Right. But you knew because they were up 70 right. points the entire but game. But that was narrative weekend anyways because you beat Lon Kruger, right, with and UNLV and then you had Bill Self. Which would have been cathartic, but at the end of the day, I remember once that game started, I didn't really care about it. 
I didn't really care all that much going in because I've resolved those feelings about Bill Self long ago. It was it was a feeling of appreciation that I had, understanding that he left, and appreciation for what he left for Weber. Yeah, which led to the best two year stretch in Illinois basketball history. Right. So I mean, I, I mean, I can't you saw the fruits and, of his labor. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can't look at him and have any sort of anger. I, I really do wish he doubled down on being the heel. In college basketball, I wish he wouldn't have walked back those comments about Snoop Dogg. I wish yeah. he would just embrace being Bill Self, shifty public Bill. enemy number one. You know, he's always had that car salesman quality mm-hmm. to him, but that's why people love him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. My point is, overall, I just want to have a seven ten matchup and not a last four in in Dayton where you're playing, you know, some mid major team, but they've got two guys who knock down thirteen threes a game. I, I don't want to feel that. What's best case scenario for this team? Because I do think it's a high um, ceiling, and that's what made the first six weeks so frustrating. Yeah. I think it depends on what happens in the Big Ten tournament, as funny as that sounds. Where's it at this year? Indy. It's in Indy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because, because I think that's the ceiling for regular season could honestly be as high as maybe fifth in the Big Ten, if you put it all together mm-hmm. consistently. Um, but then what if you're fifth in the Big Ten and you lose your first Big Ten tournament game to the Penn State in the 5-10 matchup or whatever? And then you're sitting there at 20 and 12 with coming off of an early exit in the Big Ten tournament. I still don't think that's anything better than a seven seed. Okay. So if you, but if if you make that run. But if, if you're a five seed in the Big Ten tournament and you win the 5-4 game and then you upset the one, I mean, you could be as high as a five or four seed. I, I always question, though, the Big Ten tournament and how much it does or does not impact seedings. I feel like teams have went on to win that thing and they end up no better than they were yeah. going Yeah, well, there's already a hypo- hypothetical bracket set. And then unless something, I feel like unless something drastic happens that weekend, they probably don't change that bracket much. Probably not. Isaac, what's the ceiling? I would, yeah, I would go with Trevor. I would, I, I'm still trying to like not get so caught up in the Michigan game and the Old Dominion game. Oh, I get I it. Know, I know like what has happened. You know, we've been our, had our hearts broken so many times, but I agree just looking at this team and how talented they are and how I think they can play. I would say, yeah, six or seven seed is kind of my ceiling. And I think the floor well, we know where the floor is. We know where the floor is, but I think just based on the Big Ten and how bad things could go, I think the floor should be first four out. I think that I think like as fans, that's kind of where we should feel. But again, right now, Nebraska's up double digits on Purdue. Unbelievable. Okay, and I don't know what to take away Actually, from no, that. It's is, not unbelievable right, because like Big Ten I, home teams are eleven. I just up. don't know what to take away from that. You beat Purdue at home, and they go, well, "That's a quality win." Now you got to beat Rutgers, and I'm thinking, I guess, but I could easily see them losing to Rutgers. Then you beat Northwestern, and they go, well, that's enough momentum for your road trip to where Ohio State. And I guess, but I don't think you're going to beat Ohio State. Then you go on the road and upset number three Ohio State, say, and you come home and you lose to Indiana. Like I just, I don't know. I, I have to see it consistently enough. This is a futile exercise, but I always enjoy it going down the schedule. All right, I mean, go ahead. Now, we, we need to assume, though. I'm going to group things, though, because I'm not going to give you game-by-game yeah, game wins oh, and losses because sure. I well, just don't know. Well, let's see. We have two Big Ten games out, so that leaves 18 left, so we'll take in, like, four or five game okay. chunks. We'll take chunks. Okay. But we need to assume they're going to be 10-3. and three. All right, we have to assume that. Yeah. Oh, now, I know yeah, we did yeah. this for football where we said we have to assume they're going to be 3-0, and oh, <laughs> but I need to assume that they're 10-3, and three, and okay. we'll go with that, Yep. which is not probably what you wanted i i thought they could afford two losses max in the non-conference but i said I, one but, but i didn't know that you, one of those wins would be against a top five team that i think by season's end will still be top 20 yeah okay 10 and 3 and here's your first four game chunk let's go first five games okay michigan state on the road purdue at home at wisconsin then rutgers northwestern at home so the only guarantee there is Northwestern for me. Northwestern's terrible. You beat them at home. I have no doubts about that. And I, I mean that as a guaranteed win or a guaranteed loss. I, I think that you find three wins in those five games. 
I think yep. you still lose a couple. Yep, that sounds right. And it might be Rutgers at home. Well, that's my point, right? <laughs> is I could easily see the three wins being the first three, or not the first three, because you're going to beat Northwestern, but I could see one of those wins being at Wisconsin. You finally get that monkey off your back, then you nice. come home and lose to Rutgers. They're due. They are Harry due. Black would yeah, like I say. mean, they're certainly due. Where's the okay, so three and two, so that would put you at 13 and five. Okay, we'll say 13 and five, heading into this next, next chunk, okay? At Purdue, at Michigan... Minnesota at home at Iowa. I only like the Minnesota game, I honestly. Know. That's tough. That's not a good stretch. I mean, you talk about how the front side of the schedule is loaded, but you just listed another four that I think I uh, know. that's kind of tough. Well, it uh, sounds like playing on the road anywhere is not going to be easy. Yeah, so true. I think that's that's kind of going back to what we were talking about. That's how I'm going to that's how I'm going to really trust this Illinois team is getting one of those Big Ten games on the road. That's a good point because uh, Underwood's record on the road is, is terrible. Is putrid. Yeah, so let's do this. Assuming that this team needs a quality one here and there, right? They get one of those three on the road. Okay, so two and two in that two. stretch. Okay, we'll get right. them to fifteen, 15 and seven. And seven yeah. Yep. Okay. That's where you're teetering, right? At fifteen and seven. Right. If you lose three in a row, yikes! And if you win three in a row, you're safely in. And this is all, I think, contingent on Iowa. That's mm. a tough one. But you know what? Like you said, Trevor, they could win at Purdue. Or they could win yep. at Michigan. I actually do kind of like the matchup against Michigan. We'll see where they're at at that point. Okay, so let's say technically they go two and two. They're fifteen and seven entering this next chunk. Maryland at home. I actually like that matchup. Mm. Michigan State at home. At Rutgers. Jeez. At Penn State. I mean, I'm, try, I, I'm trying I like to find the, first the break two games. in this. I like the first two games more than the second two. Two and two again. Yeah. Because there's nothing to gain from at Rutgers and at Penn State, and there's. Not much to lose against Maryland and Michigan State yep, at home. Yep. So I'm saying two and two again. Yeah. I think you'll split one of those. One. I think you'll split one of the home games and split one of the road games. So if we're two and two again, now yeah. we're seventeen and nine. We're teetering here. Yep. What's next? Okay. Here's the last chunk. <laughs> Don't tell me at. <laughs> These are the last five games okay. of the year, All and right. this is where if you are, are seventeen and nine, mm-hmm. this may work out. Nebraska at home, mm-hmm. at Northwestern, nineteen and nine. Indiana at home. That's a big one. Has to be a win. Indiana does. Indiana's who, not. Who's their best player? That freshman there. Yeah, right? um, Trace, Trace Jackson, Jackson Davis. Davis. Okay, yeah. fine. So you're 19 and nine entering. Let's do that then. Let's give them the Nebraska and Northwestern. Okay, all right, all right, 19 and nine yeah. entering the last three chunk. Okay. The chunk of three. Indiana at home at Ohio State, <laughs> which I hope is a game where it's just gravy. You know, like whatever. Yep. Improve your seating, but if you lose, who cares? Iowa at home. I think the Ohio State game on the road might be the only game all se- in the Big Ten, at least, where if Illinois goes in and wins, I will be shocked. I agree. I, 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 all the other, fair, all the point, other yeah. games, Even after I could last see them winning year. or losing. Yeah, yeah Even I'd agree after with last that. Year, I would be. Um, yeah. uh, so they beat Indiana and Iowa at home, then they would be 21-10. and 10, Right. Which is enough. Right, right. And you don't need an extra one in the Big Ten tournament. The tricky thing is, say you go 1-2, and two, so you're, then you're 20-11, and 11, right? Okay. And the question for me at that point would be is how did you split up those wins? Was every win the one you were supposed to get and every loss the one you were supposed to lose? Or do you have a bunch of quality wins in those two? I think it's going to be a mishmash. Because what if you're 20-11 and 11 without many more quality wins and you lose your first game in the Big Ten tournament to Iowa and you're 20-12? and 12? Hmm. I mean, I think you should be in, but I don't think it's a guarantee. So 21-10, and 10, you're good. 20-11, and 11, it depends, I think. It depends on how many of those 20 wins are quality. And then 19 and 12, is ugh, you start puckering up yeah, a bit, yeah, and I need to make yeah. a run in the tournament, yeah. which that is, to me, if you ask me, what do you not want to see? 
I don't want to see that. I don't want to see a situation where you're 19 and 12. A must win in the Big Ten tournament. Right. And in all likelihood, the first game you play would not be against a quality team. No, if you're assuming they get somewhere between like a five and a seven seed, maybe they would be playing one of the four, the first, last four in from the first day to play each other, which would be Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, and somebody else. That's the path, right? Is that did we find the path? Yeah, we I guess we solutions. did. I just I'm now I'm thinking I, every quadrant you mentioned has at least two really tough games mm-hmm. in it, and I guess I didn't realize it was that evenly split up. It's not like it was just the front end of the schedule that was a juggernaut. I can't really find a huge. The back end is easier. Right, you get two at home against Nebraska and Northwestern, then you get a third at home against Indiana. You know why I needed the Michigan game just for my own kind of mental well being as a fan? I needed to be reminded that they can in fact be good teams. Yes. You know, I needed yeah, that reminder. Yeah. I also needed the reminder I mentioned had the last four minutes of the game after Kofi cold cocked the ref yeah. on the top of the head. And the air went out of the place, right? I mean yeah. I didn't. I didn't know what had happened. I don't I, know if you could see it. From no, your seat. yeah, I was up top, and I remember just going nuts. And my friend next to me was like, "I think the ref just got knocked out." And we're all <laughs> looking, and like the players and stuff are yeah. around him. But yeah, it went silent. And then I, that was the point when I was really thinking, like, "Okay, we got this one." But then again, it was still in the back of my and head. And he made the free throw. And he did make right. the free throw. And then who was it? Livers or they just went on. Io just hands the ball to. Um, that was bad. The, to the yep. Michigan, and then, yeah, so it just. And then Kofi got you right out of it. And then Kofi helped. Yeah, Kofi and he saves been, the day. Can we just? I know you guys have probably talked about this. He's been not insanely good at free throws, though. Like for how big his hands uh-huh. are and, and how he's big shooting he is. about seventy five percent. When you're talking about his passing too, he, yeah. He, I mean, not only has he been good, but the areas where he wasn't as good to start the year, he's already improved massively. In I said, Big Ten Freshman of the Year. That's in the bag for op- opening segment. I said that's pretty much in the bag I mean, for right him. now. Yeah, uh, he, t- statistically speaking, he is the best center in the nation. So that's my point is that would, this is not just Big Ten freshman of the year stuff. Yeah. This is all team, all first right. team. I wouldn't take him stuff. over like James Wiseman's probably going to be the number one pick. He hasn't played lately, which is why he's not one of the best centers in the nation statistically. But statistically speaking, nobody's been better than Kofi. Isn't Trace Jackson the only other one probably that yes. would be up for yeah. it with him? Mm-hmm. Speaking of free throws, and my, my Yahoo Sports app doesn't give me a total, but to the point of him being good from the line... He struggled early, so yeah, like at yeah. Grand Canyon, seven to thirteen, three for six against Hawaii, two two of five against Citadel. But then, beginning with the uh, what is that Hampton? Did we play sure, Hampton? Yeah, yeah, we played Hampton. Yeah, because th- this is all abbreviated, so I'm having yeah. to remember the crappy teams we played after that. Four for four, four for four, seven for eight, one for one, seven for nine, five for six. Yep, and that's important because he's going to get fouled a lot. Yeah. And Speaking a, of that, there's a 55% chance if you grab an offensive rebound, a foul ends up getting called in that possession. And he's one of the top offensive rebound grabbers in the country. So Only twice so far this season has he gotten four fouls. That's yep. insane. I thought this would be a guy that would come in and show flashes, but ultimately foul trouble would limit what you saw. Kind of from a loose Kofi. cannon, right? Well, because yeah. this is what we grow accustomed to with big guys, these phenoms. And we kind of knew the size alone. He would be a phenom in that... When I hear that word, I think of untapped potential in, in, to an extent where you know that the best is yet to come. Mm-hmm. And for Kofi, I imagine just a guy that would kind of clean up down low, um, but would be raw to say the least, you know, that he would maybe well, have bad played hands. basketball for three years. Yeah. But he's so intuitive down there that everything seems to just come naturally and easy. And he, he doesn't make mistakes for the most part. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't bring the ball down when he shouldn't. Partly because he's so big, he can just take it right back up. Yeah, and he's got a nice touch to a shot. So everything that you would ever want in a big man, I don't know. You know, NBA is certainly went kind of a different direction with the five. 
But this is going to be someone who's going to make a long career in the NBA as a guy, at minimum, off the bench to play some interior D and score some mm-hmm. easy points. I mean, he's going to have a long career in the NBA. He's not in any mock drafts yet, and I know one of the top mock draft guys was asked about him, and he said it's just simply what you just said. His style is just so not conducive. I think he said something along the lines of, if this were 1995, he would be a top five pick. <laughs> and, then, and, and, and that was kind of just a statement where it's crazy how fast forward 20 years later and he's not even in the top 100. I mean, that, that, that's crazy. I mean, what kind of an example is that of how much the game has changed? It's For crazy. selfish reasons, I want that to stay the case. Sure. And well, I that's the best case scenario you could possibly have, right? Have a player who could be a top five player in the country, but just because of the way he plays, no one wants him. I mean, heck yes, we'll take that. And this is where like Anthony Davis being one example of a freshman phenom and not to compare the two Anthony Davises, but when all said and done, will be a top 50 NBA player all time, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, and certainly has more athleticism, I would guess. I mean, more athletic than Kofi. Well, he's definitely more comfortable outside of the paint. And that's right? it. So if Kofi over develops a three pointer <clears throat> game over, that would be that. crazy if he did. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But he has looked okay from the elbow. I mean, he's hit a few. I, I do think what NBA scouts probably want to see too is how he can guard those guys. Like, how would he that's guard a, a guy like Joel Embiid? You know, because he's he's going to body them up. He's going to be able to match them size for size. Yeah. But how can he step out? You're right. Along the yeah, three. Yeah, th- th- like that would this. be one area of concern is him stepping out. Yeah. I mean, I know they they were able to cover it up pretty well against Simpson, but. Is it Jalen Smith from Maryland? Yeah, because yeah. he can take it outside Sticks, if he needs yeah. to. And then you have Teske, which he'll probably find a role. He's not going to be a star, I don't think, or anything. No. But he yeah. might find a role somewhere. Uh, because, again, he can stretch it. I mean, is that simply the difference? Is that a guy like Teske or a guy like Jalen Smith that can shoot a three? I yeah. think that's stupid. I mean, if <laughs> if Kofi has the raw talent to be one of the better players on an NBA roster, I don't know why you'd keep him off of it simply because... His style doesn't fit yours. His style didn't fit Illinois, and look, they adapted, and now they look pretty darn good, right? They do. They do. (laughs) Uh, Anyone going to the Bragging Rights game? No. I'm not either. Wish I was, but... I have never been to a Bragging Rights game. Well, here's the deal. I I don't think this is, by all means, it's not the golden age of Bragging Rights games. Yeah. Tickets are easy to be had. The noon start sucks. Because part of the fun with it, and I remember the first time I went would have been the year after the Final Four. Eight o'clock game. I was a freshman in college. Uh, just reckless, you know. Oh, there's some. No, yeah. I mean, there's a feel <laughs> to a night game. I mean, I can't feel it because I've never been there. But honestly, sitting down at night watching two pretty premier ESPN announcers in their Christmas hats, their mm-hmm. Santa hats, call a really good ranked Illinois Missouri game. Like, there's something to be said for that. I and think I- it's the only. It's the only real taste of competition and rivalry that we get because in football i mean we don't we don't have a rival we just naturally have a a hate kind of for like mizzou fans and that's why i wish in like football we could bring that which we are bringing it back i think in and and, and home and home yeah which which i do like that which because the whole st louis i mean i agree like i don't really think there's another that is truly has a feel that it's not a conjured up like vitriol well it's just a natural oh i hate those guys and this is where i kind of blame indiana because if i recall Going back to Lou Henson, Bobby Knight, because I do remember a couple of those matchups at the Assembly Hall, that had a feel to it. Because Lou had about a 500 or if not a little bit better record against Bobby Knight. Oh, yeah. He, he matched him. I mean, they had like the altercation in the oh yeah the tunnel. I mean, that was a real thing. Oh, yeah. Right? Lou I called mean, him a bully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, good, good guy, Lou. <laughs> and then Lon Kruger owned Bobby Knight. Mm-hmm. I think he went 7-2 and two against him, including a win or two maybe in the Big Ten tournament. And then the Bill Self era, so the tail end, I think Mike Davis might have actually been in place by then. Mike Davis kept a pretty decent program. He's an interesting name because he got Indiana to a national title game. And yeah, clearly he did. didn't keep them at the level that you thought. Yeah. But 
I'd have to go back and look at his record. He was not any worse than a Tom Crean. No. No, no, he was better than a Tom Crean, I'd argue, because Tom Crean had such horrible now I gotta look it up. had such I, horrible um <laughs> peaks along with his valleys or such horrible valleys along with his peaks because I mean Crean and Indiana were like otherworldly awful for three or four years there in the late two thousands. I gotta look this up here. And granted what he inherited was a post probation. Right. I, I get that. Dockage was the coach for ten games and that obviously didn't work out. He was the interim coach. But but still, I mean, Crean had a few teams where I mean the term creening was invented there where he just had so many guys on the roster he didn't like, he'd basically just tell them to get lost. But I mean there were a few Indiana teams and a few of them beat Illinois, unfortunately, when Illinois was ranked that were like ten and twenty something in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand well not two thousand ten, but I, the I remember the win with uh, let's see here, season by season. Well, there was records. one year where Illinois, I want to say it was maybe t- 2009, 2010, where they went into Indiana, and it was the first win over a ranked team Tom Crean had had at Indiana. Wow. Okay. And and he was celebrating on the court, and there was a, a court rush, and I thought, oh, this that sucks. totally sucked. And then he went Brandon out to the concourse later. Yeah, and... Brandon Paul missed a game tying three, and I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was 09 or or 10. I'm having a hell of a time finding Mike Davis's record here. He was there for six seasons. Mm-hmm. And at Indiana, he had an t- overall record of 115 and 79, so right around 60. percent He won a Big Ten title in 0102. It was shared with Illinois and a couple other teams. I think four teams actually shared it that year. He finished fourth, first, sixth, ninth, fourth, and fourth, yeah, and was fired for that. Now I mean, I'd have to go look at Tom Crean's standards, but but I mean. And here's the thing: Tom Crean's overall win percentage is not going to be as high just because of those first sure, few years. Sure. But let's check out the last couple. Where's he at now? The catch is he's Georgia. on ESPN. Yeah, but he, he does ESPN stuff too now. Does, or does big he? or no Big Ten? I thought I saw okay. him on Big Ten out. Tom Crean. Yeah, you're right. Um, or are you thinking Tim Miles because he's got the glasses too? Because Tom Crean's coaching, right? Yeah, he's, he's he coaches is. at Georgia. Was now. he was he not on like ESPN he was or something? For he was briefly. Yeah, that's well, he called the Bragg and Rights game two years. He did. Ago. Yes, yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, the thing with Crean with Indiana though is they they reached that peak against Kentucky, right, where they upset them at the buzzer, and then Indiana basketball's back. But after that, I felt like he didn't take good enough advantage of what he had. Agreed. He had a lot of momentum from that. But then I think they got bounced, like you, like we talked about, they got bounced in the Sweet 16 when they should have gone further. The next year, I think they got bounced in the round of 32 when they should have gone further. His win percentage, when it mattered, his first three years, I'm going to throw out because that program, just he inherited a mess. He got them, uh, beginning with his fourth year, they finished fifth, first, eighth, seventh, and first, and then tenth. But so see, wildly you, when, inconsistent. When you, when you go fifth, first... Okay, now Indiana basketball's back, and you said what? Eighth, seventh, fifth, first, eighth, seventh, first, tenth. See that's wildly uh, you can't finish first twice and then follow that up with an eighth place and a tenth place finish. No, agreed. I mean, and if you think about that, it's very Zook like. Oh like, yeah, if, for if, sure. Like, let's say Zook would have stuck around longer, and I actually think the 07 was a flash in the pan, one shot deal. He might but have it, had another flash. You in the never pan. <laughs> know, right? You never know if maybe the defense comes back with Vic Coney yeah. in 2012, and yeah. uh, Nathan Shieldhouse was still on the roster. So right. who knows? God, who would have been the running backs on those teams? Because um, I mean, Michelle Shore would have been gone. Well, and Ford, I think, was gone by that Ferguson point. Ferguson wasn't there yet, was he? I don't think so. Or at least he wasn't good yet. I, I think he redshirted his freshman year. Um, I just stopped watching the 2012. <laughs> I just no. What, there were games was in the, November. I didn't even bother. Who tuning was the into. bridge though between like Ferguson and Keyshawn Vaughn? Because that was started in like 2013, right? I mean, maybe Jason Ford was on the I 2012. Think Ford team. was, yeah. And they um, had a they had a, a full not a fullback but an H back. I think John Davis. Oh yeah, he flashes. turned a tight end. Mm-hmm. 
And then that never really came to there fruition. There had to have been a second running back on that 2012 team. Though. I don't it, know. It couldn't have been just Ford. They couldn't score. I mean, that no, offense was terrible. And I think no. Nathan Shield last might have been kind of banged up that year. Uh, okay, so anyways, that was a nice aside about the worst no, Illinois football know. team you I can remember. You can't leave that right there. So you're going to look up 2012 Illinois rushing leader. Yep. Not named Nathan Shieldhouse, because I'm guessing he might have still been the guy. Uh, as you look that up, okay, so Indiana basketball, the point that I was making is that that used to be the thing for basketball outside of Missouri, where that was the game or two that you would always circle on the schedule. It seemed like they met every other year in the Big Ten tournament. Great rivalry, especially in the early 2000s when Indiana had the Tom Coverdale and, uh, let's see, Jared Jeffries, Dane Fife. So they had all the white guys in the backcourt, and then they had usually a couple of NBA prospects like a Jared Jeffries in the front court, And then they had one guy named Kirk Haston, who was essentially Mike Tisdale. Before Mike Tisdale mm-hmm. existed. Really good offensive player. And I don't know if he went to the league or not, but did you find out? The- we forgot one guy, Donovan Young. Mm. He was on the 2012 yes. team as a fr- true freshman, yep, I think. Yep, and he, oh. and he was kind of your stud back for two or three years before Ferguson and Vaughn. Donovan Young. And that is a name I have not heard in a very long time. Behind him, it was Nathan Shieldhouse in terms of rushing yards. By the way, the leader Who was... Who was your receiving leader? Um, let's see here. <laughs> I mean, that team sucked. And you do wonder if Ronzuk would have been there. They would have been better than 2-10, and 10, but I don't know how much better. Uh, John Davis was your leading receiver. Wow. With what, like 400 receiving yards? Uh, 469. As your leading receiver. Right behind him was Ryan Lankford. So he was your wide mm. receiver one. Davis your was speedster. your tight end. Yes. Speedster. Which I think he played in the league for a little bit. Lankford, Other guys mm-hmm. were Darius Malines, Spencer okay. Harris. Mm. Remember Spencer Harris? Yes, I do. And Justin Hardy, who's actually in yeah. the NFL right yeah. now. He was your fourth wide receiver that year. <laughs> That was yeah. the year before Listen, Steve Hole converted from defensive player to and offensive player. Gained like a thousand yep, yards. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh my god! Good analysis and uh, development there, Friday. Yeah, that's uh, a remember when I'll yeah. never take again. The 2012 <laughs> Illinois football team. All right, so as we wrap things up here, Illinois, Missouri. I mean, predictions are kind of futile, but the good thing about this podcast, the timing of it, it's going to be good for a week. And I figure, you know, if people There's are driving out. nothing happening this week, is there? Nothing. No it's bowl, finals week. No bowl games have started yet. Right. Illinois isn't playing any type of game this week until the bragging rights game. I think college basketball kind of takes a backseat this week anyway. Because yeah, the Big Ten schedule is pretty too, light. Yeah. So what is there? MLB well, <laughs> free agency watch? I guess, which I'm, I'm okay with what's happened so far with that. I'm, I'm Did you see the um, hypothetical trade? Where uh, the Yankees got Josh Hader, but they gave up um, Glaber Torres, Torres and Severino, and like mm-hmm. their top prospect, right, for a bullpen guy. <laughs> I don't know who wrote for that fan side. I don't know. Brewers. I mean, that's a pretty, it has that's, to be a, a joke. that's a pretty easy to write for. I'm not trying to take it away from anybody, but like, no, no, you could pretty much DM the guy who writes for that site and say, "I'd like to write for you," and he'd say, "Okay." Yeah, and, of course. And, you know, I mean, it's pretty. I mean, it's called fan sided, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a fan side of things, but that was kind of. But ridiculous. that's so ridiculous. That you, it borders on parody. I mean, that yeah, and a lot of these off off season trades are i mean even the guys on mlb network you see like chris bryant for jay bruce and, and that was one of them and it was like what like well the cubs couldn't use some jay bruce in the roster is he 39 years year old now? 38 year old jay bruce. is he 38 something he's like be that old. yeah by the way what would happen if chris bryant now isaac are you a cubs fan or where were you in the spectrum in baseball i kind of just picked up on it this summer being at the station okay. gotcha. so much but not a huge baseball uh, you're talking about chris bryant mm-hmm. getting traded um my overall thought on this is just, and I've, I've said this on both Jeremy's show and our show, so anyone who listens to both is probably going to think I'm pretty repetitive, but my my thing is, like we said with Illinois basketball, why can't I just have my cake and eat it too with this? You know, like the Cubs are in the middle of a title window that we've never seen before. Why do I have to part with one of the best players from said title Because window? you have, here's the scary thing if you're a Cubs fan, you probably realize this too. 
the Ricketts are not any better than the Tribune Corporation. Oh, for sure. They made their money. They got their championship. They're going to ride this out yes. for as long as they can. Yes, so enjoy one, the next 15 years of settling. Yeah, their number one priority is not winning. No. I mean, I, I don't think that's blasphemous to say. I think it's just true. And now they got the network. And they know, and this is where business... Well, they're also getting a lot of money from their Trump rallies they're holding at Wrigley Field this offseason. That's right. They got don't that going that. for them, too. Yep, uh, yep. So here, the thing with the Cubs that I think this is almost... Um, when the Tribune owned it, there was this lovable loser moniker yes. that you sort of not embraced, but you just you knew what the Cubs were. You knew they were never going to be great. They'd make a wild card every five or six years, but they weren't a threat. It was they almost like a, a Packers thing in terms of ownership, right? Where like all of Green Bay owns the Packers, right? It there's felt like, like a neighborhood. A, thing. There's a neighborhood right by Lambeau, right, right where it's kind of like, well, we're the hometown Packers. So now you have the fully corporate, fully renovated Cubs organization. Yes. And it's not cute. New stadium, new video boards, new TV network. They aren't likable. Hotel across from the stadium, and, restaurant. But then, why do you think, and this is this is very cynical of me to say this, but why do you think they hired a guy like David Ross? Here's my theory. And this is, was I think they hired him partly because they knew him and they think, you know, he can do what we want our manager to do. I get that. But from an optics pers- perspective, there are still enough Cubs fans that were overjoyed because it's Grandpa Rossi and all this cute kind of stuff that we threw on David Ross when they won the World Series. And they're just going to be happy knowing that they got a former Cub in there. And not really, I, I just, I'm saying it's symptomatic of way too many Cubs fans that would allow a culture to exist in the first place where the Ricketts could take advantage of it. I, I, I don't know what percentage of Cubs fans that is. I know there's a lot that are angry and they should be. And and I yeah, I, and I think there's an internal like moral dilemma as to how angry you should be because you just waited a hundred years for a title and got one, but I don't think we should be sitting here three years removed from a title saying how this is an embarrassment and this team doesn't even want to compete. Like I didn't think it would happen that quickly. No, it shouldn't because we knew back in 2016 when they won the World Series that the Chris Bryant contract was going to be an issue. But sure. you assume sure. they're going to give him the money because this is their guy. Or maybe even one of them. I mean, they're talking about trading Contreras and Bryant, so they don't have to pay either of them. Right. And then what? Finish third or fourth? Probably In a wide-open division? In a wide-open division. I mean, I know the Cardinals won the division last year and went to the NLCS where they didn't even show up, but... Like I don't, I don't think I don't look at that Cardinals team right now if they don't add anything this offseason and, and go. Well, you're not beating them, so you're competing for second in the division. It would be interesting to see too, because if you look at Epstein, his he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You know, he won a well, title. Turned around the two teams that haven't won titles in, right. in rapid succession. Yeah, but he does have a weird bell curve that happened at Red, at the Red Sox, and now it seems like that bell curve is happening here with the Cubs. Yes, and and I don't know how they get out of it because. You know, what he did so well in those first three years when they stunk and he accrued the draft picks and he accrued talent and position player talent. He went out there, spent the big money on the one starter that you needed. He perfectly managed that rebuild situation. Right. And and unfortunately, now there's just not a lot lot left. So you would think, though, that they could have parlayed the World Series success into greater financial strength, which they are in an amazing spot financially as an organization. And yet they're saying... Tom Ricketts wouldn't let you believe that. He says they're out of money. (laughs) Which is just uh, ridiculous. Right now, they're third in payroll with 200 and some... I think it's like 214 behind the Yankees and the Dodgers. That's it. That's They're the third in payroll still? Something like that, right right, right, right behind those two. Or maybe it's revenue. They're third in something. Well, I think it might be percentage of money spent, like okay. revenue and how much they spend on payroll. Yeah, right. The Yankees were dead last. 
because they make like nine hundred and thirty. Okay, all right. So okay, all right. They they and they spend something like twenty two percent. Yeah. Well, they don't care about luxury taxes, right? No, well, and this is where it was an interesting thing with the Garrett Cole. I the way the template was being set from the new Steinbrenner clan mm-hmm. was that well, we aren't going to spend that money. And there was a growing course in New York of well, you have the money. Who cares about the luxury tax? Right. It's you're immune to it. Right. So go out and spend the money. So I'm I'm glad that they did. And I don't care if they buy a championship or yeah. not. If they win a championship, I'm going to be just as happy. Yeah. It's just I'll entertain a Chris Bryant trade if it actually sounds good. I just fundamentally don't understand why we have to be doing this. And out of all the guys too. Yeah. As if Chris Bryant's grow on trees. Right. right. I understand he's been injury riddled, but we know what he is. Yeah. And yeah, when he's right. healthy, he's a superstar level yep. talent. Yep. It would be a shame if that ended. And think of all, it's just uh, like Didi Gregorius signed to the Phillies. Mm-hmm. I really like Didi. I understood well, what it was. He was the next one after Jeter, right? Right, right. And for all intents and purposes, did as well as anyone could have in that yeah. role. But, you know, he he feels like now kind of what Dexter Fowler was. Like, I'm expecting a sharp drop off with Didi, and we kind of saw it last year. But that is a far cry from the likes of a Chris Bryant that came up in the system, mm-hmm. was the golden boy, and lived up to every expectation, and still has, if healthy, another good decade. Oh, a decade, yes. And if he gets traded to the Phillies, I do not want to watch the Cubs or someone else lose to the Phillies in every NLDS because mm. Bryant and Harper are going off. Well, and just think that was going to be the tandem that was going to be on the north side. And oh, yeah. Come well, to fruition. Maybe they'll be together after all. So maybe the Hayward contract is that bad. I don't know. I mean, it is. But the point is, you have enough money to to succumb that con- to you know um, take that contract on and, and not worry about it. I did not realize they had a two hundred million dollar payroll. It's something like that. Hayward and Lester are probably about Darvish was one hundred and twenty six mil. Oh God, that's right. Well, this is Theo Epstein, yep. the guy that signed Carl Crawford for about one hundred eighty million dollars back. <laughs> Someone in the day. did point out the two uh, similarities <laughs> when the Red Sox were kind of they weren't floundering like the Cubs are after their title, their first title. What was the difference? They signed David Ross. And now what have the Cubs done? They hired David Ross. What yeah. if David Ross is the key to it all? Yeah, they could be. Uh, I don't final. think he is, by the way. I think he's a puppet behind whoever actually wants to oh, pull the course. strings. And I and going on record is saying I don't like that hire. What, David Ross? Yeah. I didn't like the Aaron Boone hire. Um, but it might work, you know. I guess my counter to any of those would be, I guess, I don't know how much it ultimately matters. Right, this was, like, <laughs> David Ross is going to come out the first week. He's going to get kicked out of a game after a bad yes. call. And then the fans are going to love. This is, this is the fan. And I did it last year when Aaron Boone came out and was cursing up a storm. But that and, one was pretty cool. That was right? pretty I mean, cool. The, the yeah, Savages one. Um, last thing before we end, it's Star Wars week. Isaac, are you a Star Wars guy? I can say I appreciate good movies. So I've definitely been to <laughs> the opening nights for the past few. But I'm Oh, not, you have? Okay. Yeah. But I'm not like one of those guys that knows like, the name You're of not like planet nerding out like, on Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, well, the okay. expectations seem... I don't have expectations for this, no. which I kind of like. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're very high. As funny they as it no. sounds. I mean, this should be the end game event for the Star Wars universe, but it doesn't necessarily feel like that. I, I didn't realize, and I think I let uh, outside noise begin to affect my perception of Last Jedi, which when I saw it twice in the theater, I loved it take some time away from it. And for me, Star Wars, I, I remember looking at the movie posters and saw 1977, 1980, 83. I feel like three years apart is the perfect amount of time to give fans the breather they need and to let them get juiced back up in time for it. Yeah. It doesn't feel that long ago The Last Jedi came out. No, I know not, two years, yeah, yeah. and it just seems like, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm not ready for this yet. I need to get yeah. back into the, the mode. Well, that's even worse with Marvel because they crank them out every six months. But Which I'm surprised there wasn't more of a fatigue yeah. factor with that. But, uh, you know, I'm going Thursday night. So am I. I'm excited. Isaac, you're going to wait a bit? Well, I guess I'm usually at school or seeing it with um, 
You're from, done with school from now. There, right? So yeah, I'm on. Break. Are you graduating as well? I'm graduating in May. Okay, so, so I it, still got it. then Trevor, you got your thing. Yep. When's your ceremony? Sunday. Though? Wow. Wow. Gosh. Everybody's graduating or moving it's, out it's, to it's Connecticut. It's a weird like end of an. I mean, it, it sounds cliche, but it is kind of a weird end of an era around here in terms of local sports coverage in in several ways. I mean, Isaac was Jeremy's guy, other than Derek, and he's. He, congrats to him. You know, oh, he's I, going to Minnesota. It's, it's a movie got to make. Harry's been hired by ESPN. I mean, it's, yeah. it's awesome. I I love it, but then at the same time, it's like ah. Oh. I was thinking. I was reflecting on it, and uh, the sort of coaching tree. Um, comparison would be and not to toot our own horns a little bit but like what Lon and Jeremy started 93.5 before that there was only one path really mm-hmm. you could do the Lon I drive at 5 on 107.1 I did that a lot of people have done that or write for the DI a lot of people have done that but there was nothing nothing to supplement that you were either News Gazette WDWS or nothing in terms of the local conversation maybe you posted on message boards a lot or you worked for rivals or scout which back then were not as big as obviously like 24-7 sports is. But um, it, it does seem like all these paths have really, and to be quite honest, run through Jeremy. as sort of like the lightning rod for, well, we're going to introduce this entire new form of coverage. Um, first on the talk radio uh, aspect of it, but then when he got the Alana Inquirer to bring in guys like Isaac, to bring in guys like Derek, mm-hmm. um, it's just amazing the pool of guys that when I was growing up, it was Lon. Uh, Lon. Well, he was on TV. <laughs> he was. Uh, it was Lauren Tate and Bob Osmussen yeah. and Brett Dawson or whoever the ba- Paul basketball Klee was in there. Yeah. Paul Klee was in there after Dawson. That was it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there wasn't really anything else to speak of. And now it feels like we got this mass exodus. Yeah. Of talent. Yeah. The next, uh, the new wave will have to come in, I guess. What is the new wave? Because uh, it's, we're even, you know, full disclosure, we're trying to figure out our thing. Mm-hmm. 200 level, like, you know, you can't replace Harry. No, you, you can't. You can't. No but, one has the dry sense of humor and the takes that Harry has. Right. right? So, you know, now it's like, well, who's the next Harry Black? Well, we aren't going to take that approach. You can't because you're not going to find him. No, no. He wants to have a two hour show on ESPN National called, what did he say it was called? Ice to see. Uh, no, no, um, that's not ice. Oh, that's, yeah. Something yeah, like just... that. Where it, it, it's a hockey pun. Right, right, right. But then because it's called that's not ice, it gives him the freedom to talk about whatever he wants yes. instead of just hockey. It's misdirection in the title. Yeah, right, like right. That. Uh, which the 200 level thing, I wouldn't call it the C-section because that would have been the ultimate been misdirection. Horrible misdirection. Uh, well, it, it, it is kind of sad. We'll do the <laughs> official goodbye. We will have to do some remember when on the last show with harry which i'll come up with a few things i can think of yeah so what we'll do on uh this is how it looks for the 200 level we will do our trio last time (laughs) saturday after the illinois missouri game this is where the i'll have have to bring my memories and stuff next week and this is where the early tip-off's nice yeah we can get the post game in by four o'clock respond right away get the uh podcast out there Mm -hmm. saturday because you know, by the time Monday and Tuesday roll around and people are doing the holiday thing, they aren't listening. Mm-hmm. No offense to this podcast. Right. But they well, listening. it's like a Friday podcast in 93.5. I almost feel like I don't need to put it up because yeah. by Saturday morning, it's irrelevant. You would but. think people would actually tune it, listen back to it on a Saturday. Yeah, but, you mm. would think, but not really. I know it's the listening habits are this. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays are great. Early yep. in the week, people get to reaction. the office. Yeah. Reaction for one, and uh, that's why we try to make the longer podcast kind of thing happen so you have time to consume it. But if you're in an office environment, you're listening to a podcast, like two, three podcasts a day. Mm-hmm. So you're done by Monday or Tuesday if we come out on a Monday mm-hmm. night. Well, we will be here as you're listening to this. We are here. We're in your ear if you're listening to us, right? Yeah. 
Currently, Hello. it's what four thirty. It's pre-storm <laughs> Sunday, so you'll be in a, a nice, cozy office environment when you consume. Or you'll be snowed in tomorrow. Well, depending on the place, or iced in. Yeah, that's a concern as well. So, uh, Isaac, you're driving back to Georgetown. You said to right? Georgetown tonight. Yeah, so that's a 45 minute commute. Yeah, it's really not bad. It's just south of Danville. You can take all those country. You can really take Winds Windsor. Like all the way yeah, over. Yeah, essentially, because yeah. through St. Joe and through Oakwood mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, well, thanks for rolling over. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Appreciate it. Cool experience. It didn't, like when I pictured you guys talking and stuff, I wasn't really picturing this environment. So it's really yeah. cool. It's just, you know, chill, conversational. It's just a, just a basement. And yeah. it's actually cool because I had been gifted, well, not gifted, but we were getting rid of all these foamy soundproof things, which do have an impact because otherwise if you're down here and you clapped there would be kind of a reverb mm-hmm. sort of thing, but it kills That's the That's our sound. official name, by the way, Foamy Sound Things. Foamy Sound Things, <laughs> yep. which is a great... I, I, it's not a Counting Crows album, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Foamy Sound Things. Um, well, yeah, no, thanks for dropping it over. And I thought, Isaac, that I think I said at the beginning that summer of 2018, but it was literally this last summer. Yeah, it was just a, f- a few months ago. It um, feels like yeah. a year and a half it, ago. This, a this semester is just flown by it's just insane this year but, felt long and short at the yes, same time exactly i can't explain why that is the semester at school has been lightning fast but if i look back to june that feels like an eternity ago i'm just thinking about everything that's happened it since is crazy. Yeah. tons yeah well we're gonna try to end the year strong hopefully so illinois anyways, does the next same. week it's harry and you and i yeah we're, we'll do it saturday afternoon and try to get it out a couple hours after the illinois missouri game but then the next weekend i will be en route to california what and day are you heading yours. out? December the 28th. The 28th, That's and you're there Saturday. through January 5th. So one week. Nice. Okay, well, enjoy I that. Mean, free lodging for me because family's out there. So Is that Sunday the 5th? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'll be back Monday. We so we'll do, do that because we'll have the Purdue game to yes, talk about. Yep, yep. It'll just be you and me. Here's a prediction since Trevor, I mean, you'll be here for the Missouri game uh, or post Missouri game, but on January 5th, this is after Missouri, North Carolina, AT&T, and the Red Michigan Bowl. State, and Purdue. Wow. What will Illinois' oh. record in the, well, the Red Box Bowl, which I... I, don't, <laughs> I thought I we were talking generally. I okay. don't know how good I feel about that, i got to be honest. If, if Cal's healthy... Uh, they're seven and a half point underdogs. It's moving. They moved from six to seven and a it's half. It's moving. Uh, four games in basketball. How many does Illinois win between now and January 5th? Missouri, North Carolina AT&T, Michigan State, at Michigan State, Purdue at home. Are they three and one? Are they two and two? Uh, I like three and one, but again, if we go out and you know blow it against Mizzou, then I'm gonna want to change it. <laughs> Missouri's to, the hang up there yeah. for me. Okay, because I think Purdue's gettable. I yeah. think Michigan State is winnable. I'm buying um, stock. I'm saying three and one. Okay, a close that's what loss you do after Michigan the week State. where you win. That's two what I do. I ride the wave. Right? Yep. Uh, but I do think that if there is a, such a thing as a corner turning game, I like the fact Missouri's. Roster is not that great because, yeah, if Missouri were better, I'd be more concerned. I just don't think they're that good. Yeah. Win that game. You beat North Carolina AT&T. Talk about a sleepy game. You thought Old Dominion was boring? <laughs> yeah. North Carolina AT&T, post what's the Bragg point? Post-Bragging rights, post-Christmas. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be full even though it's a Saturday after a holiday in there. Is it? So it would be December 29th, right? 28th. Uh, yeah, 28th, right. And the bowl game's on the 30th? Right, so two days before the bowl game. So okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm just presuming, but I don't know how many, like, DIA people will even be there if they're headed out to California. Oh, no, it's going to be weird. About, I mean, because a lot of the people on the pep band, I assume, would be marching along. Right, right. And they'll already be in California. Bring the so. junior high band or something like that. Wasn't the Florida Atlantic game like at this yes, same time? Yeah, similar time. Yep, I was in, uh, we were on our honeymoon and yes. I'm following the score. And of course, I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't get angry because one, I was in Dominican Republic, so who cares? Sure. I'm, a, I'm a world away. They were also like, but we four, were already four bad, and eight so. at that point. Yeah. I had yeah. just gotten my tonsils out 
La- so and then I go to my grandma's house we're having like family Christmas and yeah. I'm watching the game on TV and that's probably the worst thing to see with just getting your tonsils out. Is see, this is your this favorite is where- team losing to the Florida Atlantic in basketball. <laughs> I at feel home. I feel bad for your generation. I say we're all millennials here. I think, but I'm an older millennial. But I feel bad I'm, for I'm you. I'm on the other fringe. We're of millennial, Gen and I guess Z we are. Or X, well, what right? year were you born in? Ninety-eight. Ninety-seven. Okay. Are we not millennials? I don't think we. are. I don't know. You might be Gen Z. Okay. Maybe well, so. I, I don't know. But uh, I was thinking about this. How you just mentioned Isaac. How you had your tonsils out, and then you get to watch Florida Atlantic. When I got my wisdom teeth out, it was the night that Illinois beat Western Wisconsin Milwaukee in the Sweet Sixteen hmm. to set up the game against Arizona. <laughs> so my experiences with you know oral surgery yeah. are far more yeah. better in terms of their Illini connotations. I just feel that would have been uh, no surprise. Now here's one thing I did figure out: I'm getting hernia surgery oh, on February seventh. It's fairly, you know, it's routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to be drugged up. Right before the Michigan State game, right? Well, it's actually Maryland at home that night. Oh. And then MSU's the 11th. MSU's the 11th. So I will be... You could be happy. ...in a drug-induced stupor. I think you'll be happy either way, but... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's... So I'm hoping for a repeat of any time I have surgery of some kind. Illinois does something Sure. Let's let's go for it. I like that. Okay. All right. Well, we are ultimately the 200 level is an optimist. Orange-colored glasses... Are we? No, no, we aren't. Not really. Uh, but when they're winning, I feel good. And I, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the most obvious thing yeah, in the yeah. world. When they're winning, I feel good. Uh, I think they beat Missouri. I think they go 3-1 in the next four. Uh, the Red Box Bowl is just sort of whatever. Yeah, I mean, I hate if you lose badly for the optics of being 6-7 and seven and losing to a boring team. But if you win, you feel pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it'll matter ultimately that much either way, but I'd like a win. I, I think with the Bears and the uh, you know lateral play that wasn't today against the Packers, I, I need a sort of break from football. I, I think now I can sort of detach until December 30th because the Chiefs game for the Bears and the Vikings, they don't matter now. They don't mean anything, so I'll tune in very casually. But the next time I'll get invested in a game will be the Red Box. Yep. I think just don't get killed because, like, this could be – you don't want to leave recruits a bad taste in their mouth. I think in going out west and just getting smoked in your last game of the year kind of – I think it takes away kind of from your success that happened in September. Well, yeah, and, October and, and like on that. national TV, which I know yeah. that all these bowl games technically they're national TV. Yes, but this, I believe, is Fox. This is what, – what's, what's the differentiation? Cable TV or well, whatever? Yeah, As no, in, like, network anyone TV. who doesn't even have a, a subscription can get this game yes. via antenna. You know, it – It'll be the one that's on the main screen in a bar. Yep, exactly. Not pinstripe that's on ESPNU. On a day, a lot of people are going to take off work. They're just going to say, screw right. it. Why would I go to work it's on the first game 30th? of the day. Yeah, 3 o'clock, which I love the start time. And I know it's early for you guys out in the Pacific, but... 1 o'clock. What are you going to yeah. do? Try to, can you tailgate and stuff out there? I, I mean, have no idea. I'm okay. just going to feel it out when we get there. Just roll it, yeah. I mean, I'm going with my grandma and my aunt and uncle who are all of the 70-plus iFund oh. crowd. So <laughs> I'm not exactly ones? sure what the... They're, they're the ones who came, came to the Wisconsin the West- game. Well, then that's so a good I'm luck, jo- right? I was joking with them that they sparked this entire Illinois football uh, rebuild actually working, so now I have to pay it back to go out and watch it with them. Final thought, optimistic thought, that's why sports are cool, is that as you entered the Wisconsin game with your family from California, if a little birdie on your shoulder had told you that you would fly out after Christmas and spent right. a week in San Francisco to see Illinois play Cal in a bowl game. I would have laughed right. you, the bird off my shoulder. Sports. All right. On that note, see Carp's turned a new leaf. That was sweet. I like that. <laughs> Isaac, thanks again, bud. Uh, we're going to have it. Harry and Trevor here Saturday after the Illinois-Missouri game for the last uh, trio. What do we we'll call ourselves? We'll do it big. The, uh, well, we're well, not. Well, the Holy but, Triumvirate yeah, was Lon, um, 
Jeremy Harry Hunt. Come up, came up as he would with some name like that, but was more indicative of us. I think it was like the regular tree. Uh, it was something, <laughs> something just not like very that. Yeah, yeah. Not humping, uh, humping, not lumping too much praise on us. Where did don't, humping don't hump come too from? much praise either. That's See, never I, I might have thought of that because the dog's been humping our legs a lot recently. Oh, that happens. With, yeah, that happens. All right. Well, it was episode fifty-two. Uh, what did I call it? Again? Off oh, the yeah. Schneid. Off the Schneid. Off the Schneid. Do we end with it? Isaac, do we dare put you on the spot for an off the schneid? He knows it off the, the schneid. The is, problem right? is I have to go low, so then you're putting him in a position where he has to take the high one. Well, right? we can let Isaac go low, though. Okay, all right, all right. So right. have you done this before, Isaac? No, I don't think so. Do you so. know what off the schneid uh, barbershop quartet is? No, but I've seen that Simpsons thing <laughs> right, before. Right, yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're, we're the B-sharps, yeah. okay, without so, minus one we, other person. We're going this way? We'll, we'll start with Isaac. Okay, so all, right. all you need to do, Isaac, is just go off the schneid, oh, and you got to hold right. it, and I'll like, do a little motion <laughs> to say that we'll cut it. And then I'm right. second, and you're last. Yeah, I'll go high. I'll go high. Let me hear. Let me. I gotta get some tea here. <coughs> I'm going low. Okay, I'm going low. Me, 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 me. I've been saying on a mic, and gee, was so. I'll, I'll like get a little cue for when we ended. Okay. Yeah, sure, All sure. Right. So to to wrap up this episode of the 200 level, brought to you by DP Doe, Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent, Fourth and Kirby. Thanks to Lana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. We will end with the title of the episode in barbershop trio format. <laughs> Isaac, take it away. Off the schneid. Off the schneid. Off the schneid.